What it do, baby? Well, I am only gonna do one track because I am a lazy motherfucker. Um, but I'm going to start off with saying, uh, or by technically being a basic ass bitch and uh, just be straight up with you guys. Uh, if you don't mind doing me a favor, go ahead and give me five stars on iTunes. Um, I'm trying to move up on the charts. Um, being silent has done me no fucking good. So if you don't mind doing me that favor, I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, but in regards to this podcast, I interviewed the great Lonnie. Uh, he is a life coach, a medic, and a former Christian minister. He is one of the wisest people that I have talked to, and I've talked to a few wise people so far. Uh, and he gave a shit ton of great advice. And I'd say the first hour is a little bit more serious. <laughs> And then from there, it uh, it transitions to, to more fun, more casual talk, which is, is the best, personally, because I, I'm all about being organic and, and then just keeping it real. Um, but there were some topics in the very beginning that we had to address, um, in particular to the shooting that just went on in Atlanta, um, and just other topics such as uh, just as race, color, skin, um, life. And many more. So uh, just go ahead and do me a favor and give it a listen. And, and again, do uh, give me five stars. I appreciate you guys. I am semi-tweaked out on pre-workout right now. About to hit the fucking gym. Let this motherfucker upload while I'm out there. And uh, yeah, you guys have a good rest of the day. And uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Oh, doing absolutely outstanding. Living on top of the world. Living on top of the world. What'd you do today? Um, I had a call with um, one of the large groups that's a part of the community that I support. Okay. And uh, spent a little time with my six-year-old. So um, Nice. Kind of got to be a teacher, uh, <laughs> an instructor, and um, I just like communicating with friends, you know, mm-hmm. just um, kind of being a part of their steering committee. Got you, got you. Um, well, what, what kind of community are you, are you in right now? I am a part of a coaching group. Okay. For um, that kind of supports my coaching practice called Growth U, mm-hmm. and um, I joined them about maybe four or five years ago. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Got you. That's that's amazing. I actually um, I saw that you're you're a life coach, correct? Yes. Do you mind breaking down to everyone uh, what what you do exactly, like in full detail, if you don't mind? Well, um, kind of if I gave a thumbnail description mm-hmm. of it, uh, life coaching ultimately is helping people to understand how to meet their needs sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I found in a lot of cases is that people don't even know what their needs sets are or where to begin to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And I can lay it all out to you real quick right here. And it's an approach that I call um, like kind of just soaked earth mm-hmm. because when you get the information, I can give it to you all at once. And at some point, the ground is going to be so saturated, nothing more can get in. And then, so I, you know, I, I never have any problems with kind of giving it all for free, giving it all up front. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that people usually over a course of time need help absorbing that information in a practical way. So I like to start out with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I like to also then talk about Dr. Schindler's six emotional needs and then Dr. Paul Stokes' adversity quotient. Okay. And uh, 
So once I help a person understand that and understand how the human brain works, and also uh, it takes 21 days to kind of form an initial habit, then it takes uh, 30 to 60 days to take that habit and make a pattern out of it, and then anywhere from 60 days beyond to turn it into a lifestyle. So that's just kind of nice. What's the uh, well in regards to the habits? I I do I do completely understand, uh, and because. I've noticed, I was talking to my girlfriend actually, I was saying that I after 21 days, I didn't really notice it, but like after like two months was the mark where I was like, okay, it's getting significantly easier. Cause I still had to try, but not compared to after the two month mark. So that was that was pretty interesting. In regards to those other books and, and resources that you were mentioning, is, is there anything that in particular stands out um, the most to you? Or is there anything that, that you teach right away to, um, to your clients or, or how does that work? Well, in each one of these tiers, and um, I just kind of want to throw out, I spent over 20 years as a Christian minister, mm-hmm. right? Now, Army medic for a long time, and so uh, the principal foundation of the way I conceptualize the world is I create models, diagrams, uh, processes in my head, and so there were times as a minister when I would be sitting in the pulpit, and then my pastor would lean over to me and say, you know, this morning God told me that you needed to bring the word. Mm-hmm. And so I had no preparation for that particular event, but I think if you always stay ready, you never have to get ready. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I love models. And so with Maslow, I just enjoy talking about um, the physiological needs, the safety needs, the community needs, self-esteem needs, cognitive needs, and then your beauty uh, and balance or your aesthetic needs from there. Yeah self-actualization onto um, transcendence where you begin to help pull other people up. When we talk about Dr. Schindler's uh, six emotional needs, it's kind of something that I call gray van slide sideways cause crashes or your growth needs, variety needs, significant self-esteem, your certainty needs, and your connection needs. When we talk about Dr. Paul Stokes, I like to talk about the quitters, the campers, and the climbers. Because uh, with Dr. Stokes, he, he says, basically, when people face adversity, you have three types of people. You have those that are just going to give up and quit. You have those individuals who are going to get to a certain hierarchy and chill and say, this is enough for me. And then you ultimately have a group of people that long after um, other people are satisfied, they express gratitude, but they're ultimately not satisfied because they know the more they have, the more uh, other individuals they can support in having enough to, to uh, kind of raise them as well. I like that. I, I never I, I knew that there was different types. I obviously didn't personally categorize them. Like you said, like the campers, the quitters and the climbers. I, I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, you're a climber. I see that you're always hustling and you got the you got that motivation. You, you know how how to talk. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed about you. Uh, well, for the people that don't know, um, I met him through through Clubhouse and we had a very emotional talk. And, and that was more so in regards to um, the hate towards racism. And in particular, this case, it was more for the for the Asian crime in uh, in Atlanta. Um, and, and that was pretty delicate. Do you mind breaking it down for the people that might be listening as to like what happened uh, when Tony was speaking and, and whatnot? So for me, where I like to start is kind of like out here in the front, then I'll come backwards uh, with it. So yeah, no, of course. Where I am in my life is I'm working to release titles. Mm-hmm. I'm working to release this concept of common sense because 
Um, and a lot of people are like, but they just don't have common sense. There is no real such thing as common sense. There is cultural sense or community sense based on social norms, social contracts and agreements that we make based on stories that we have been told over the course of our life, right? So when you have a group of people and for that group of people, these uh, ideas or ideologies are common, we call that common sense. Here in America, we have associated certain brackets, certain stereotypes, because for me, when I look at things, um, you have uh, a character. Well, first you have a caricature. So if somebody says, Lonnie, draw a cat, I would draw first a one or two dimensional cat on a surface that's just like almost a stick figure. That's a caricature that anybody can look at and see that that's a cat. When you make that cat more dynamic and begin to fill it in and color it in, that caricature becomes a character. From that character, then you can take it and if you fill in the background and give it a warm ball of, of yarn and that kind of stuff. Now you take that character and you turn it into a stereotype. From that stereotype, you can go into archetype. And ultimately, when you decide to break the mold, you are then considered a prototype. So in America, what we like to do often is have this concept of other human beings as a caricature, then a character, and then we stop at stereotype. And we take different racial groups and racial makeups and we stereotype them and turn that into stories. And we pass these stories out. This in this country becomes common sense. So my first thing that I wanna do is break the mold or the norm on the way that people think about race in terms of common sense. And to not only be an individual, but look at each person as an individual. And as we do this, we automatically break this racism. We automatically break this consciousness of these stories of who this group is or who that group is. And that's what I'm working on. At the same time, I'm not blind to what is happening to certain individuals based on their melanated skin or based on their background from Asia or from Europe and these different things. So Tony was uh, having a conversation with us last night and he was expressing as he was going through the grieving process. And then we had several people come into the room and they just blatantly kind of disrespected the space and they wanted to begin to talk about animals in a context where we were talking about humans. There were other, other individuals who came into the room and began to say things like, these people that died ultimately chose to die and the person who chose to execute them uh, should be allowed to execute, you know, whoever they want at random and nobody should step in. And it's at that point where my passion really came through, having suffered some of these atrocities in my own life multiple times to the degree that it came to a point that I was no longer the trade-off of being silent, knowing that this was happening in front of me, it was no longer worth it. And so regardless of the outcome, I felt it was my responsibility to speak out. Mm -hmm. And that, that's one of the things that I noticed and that immediately caught my attention. 
um, you spoke with, I mean, there's no other way to say it, but with pure passion and, and that, that really resonated when you were, when you were speaking, because there's so much adversity, so much bullshit in this world. At the end of the day, everyone, like you were saying, we want to easily just put a label on people when in reality, at the end of the day, we're all just meat and bones, but people are, are always going to criticize. They're always going to find a way to defend, um, heinous like hate crimes which they're not defendable to begin with but i think i, I mentioned this a lot but I, that, that boils down to ego and and pride and and that's something that's stupid and, and really grinds my gears um do you mind kind of elaborating more exactly as to what you said yesterday when when you were going off because that that i think that was I, th I thought that was amazing, man. I really did, honestly. That's hence why I reached out to begin with. I was like, I, I need I need to have you on. What you saw me respond to was the person who came into the room mm -hmm. who from maybe, I don't know, from their point of view, there, there was either one of three things going on, right? Either this person came in and he was this higher transcended person, this alien from another planet who was coming in to rise all of the consciousness in the room and he was simply uh, not in sync with timing, or, or he was coming into the room with his own personal agenda to throw out to gain some significance for himself, mm -hmm. or he was a troll. Yeah. He was coming into the room with a racist ideology where he was speaking to a space full of grieving people, and it, it set me on fire. And this is when I began to basically tell him that I wanted to boot him out the room, mm -hmm. right? That's where, like, the, the bottom line was, okay, I can take you off of the stage and put you back in the audience and let you listen. Or I can take you, put you off of the stage, back into the audience, and then boot you out of the room. Mm -hmm. Take you off of the stage, put you in the audience, boot you out of the room, and report you, mm -hmm. right? So there were levels that, and so what I decided to do instead was just rip him a new one so that he would have an opportunity to think about what he did and how he approached his delicate conversation without reporting him and then ultimately having him kicked out of Clubhouse. So I think I exercised restraint, even though some people on the call may have thought that um, I went overboard. Nah. <laughs> no I, I don't think so i think no i i don't think you went overboard at all i think the people that went overboard were maybe trying to keep control of the room but at the end of the day there are some circumstances that that you you need to speak out regardless of what what the normal is and just because they weren't used to it that's how i saw that but you did what you had to do and even if it does make pe like people uncomfortable the reality is that there's conversations that are going to make people uncomfortable whether they want to hear it or not whether you hear it now or in the future the real it, you can't avoid it i'm like that's just because you have the luxury of not being in the presence of an uncomfortable situation that doesn't mean that you can just make yourself ignorant of what's really going on in the world and let other people suffer while you're living in, in fantasy land. And what, what you, when you ultimately saw kind of the blaze happen, right? The mm -hmm. crescendo is um, when this, there was already a fire kind of going. It had been built, it was smoldering. And the accelerant was when he began to justify his position based on his friends. Mm -hmm. So, I know 
I have friends that are Asian. I have friends that are black. And I wanted to speak to the point that simply having friends in these different racial categories was not the same as having to deal with those issues themselves, right? And one of the things that I threw out is for years, I have, and I, I may have one around here very close somewhere. I think I saw it earlier. It may be in, uh, in the bedroom, but for years I carried what I call a death card. And that death card is basically my wife's information on her business card where I write out the day's date and time so that they know that this is something fresh and relevant. And if, let's say for instance, I was on a run and had on headphones and I didn't know that a police officer pulled up behind me because somebody reported a black guy running away from uh, a, a crime scene, a police officer pulls up behind me and shoot me dead well, at least when they rummage through my pockets, they find this card, card and have a place to start calling to tell somebody that I was dead, right? Yeah. So when I leave the house to go on runs, when I leave the house to kind of um, enjoy myself in any recreation, I kiss my family goodbye. A lot of people might kiss their family bye for now. For me, it's ultimately goodbye because that's that's just been my experience here in this country this country is is backward in a lot of ways if if we wanted to take a step in in regards to improving our position in regards to taking a step forward to eradicating racism because i don't know if realistically we can obviously the goal would be to just see humans for human but there's a part of human nature that that people if they're going down a toxic road and and it's probably usually either the campers or their quitters if we were to reference that that usually go down a path of of hatred of uh, just anything of that sort because i i usually never see people that are grinding worrying about others they worry about themselves and other people that are in and like i said those other positions those are the ones that are that have all the time in the world to to be negative and de derogatory when people don't deserve it. What do you think um, is something that we could push forward to to getting rid of that? I think that we have to come to a place where we make a decision that we want to be a human being, right? There's, mm -hmm. there, and there's a huge difference. You have humans, yeah, right. And there's and there's a three part slice in being a human, and ultimately to come to the fourth slice then you're no longer you still here with me Lonnie and a lot of people have absolutely no idea which I don't know if you can hear me on on your end but it, it cut off can you hear me yeah yeah I can hear okay you. there we go we're back on okay um so with, with this three-part slice, a lot of people don't even know where they are in being human, let alone what it takes to be a human being. And so um, scientists, kind of prevailing science, uh, speaks, and I've studied this uh, pros and cons, for and against. I've been the advocate and the devil's advocate on this. So I've worked to build it up, and I've worked to tear it down. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I live in life as a critical thinker. 
right? And I'm a lifelong learner, and I like to look at the, my position in an argument and also the opposite position or the antithesis of the thesis that I'm throwing out. Mm -hmm. So uh, just kind of prevailing science says that the human brain is broken into three parts, which is the reptilian brain, um, and then they kind of say like this mammalian brain and ultimately the human brain. For me, I break those three parts into four. There's what I call the reptilian brain, and then the rat or rabbit brain, the monkey brain, and then the human brain. So in the reptilian brain, back here in our medulla oblongata, our pons and reticular activating system is programmable to tell us what's important and what's not important. You see this in what they call, some people call like the, the pregnancy model. Other people look at it like, for instance, if you decide that you wanted to buy you a blue BMW, mm -hmm. at first, like prior to that decision, you, you just see all cars the same. But as soon as you decide to buy that BMW or you purchase it, you see blue BMWs everywhere. Oh. And that's because you updated your reticular activating system in the ponds, and now it tells you what's important everywhere. So this reptilian brain back here is um, what is known as leverage. It produces leverage for us. And leverage says this, move toward pleasure and away from pain. Often you've heard speak, people speak uh, in terms of the carrot or the stick. So with that, you also have your fight or flight response, which is broken down into four parts. You have fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, right? Fawn, so you, we know what fight and flight is, right? Either you're gonna box it out, or you're gonna take off running, or you're gonna freeze and just quiver. This is what uh, possums do. And then there's another layer that they found out that a lot of people do, which is known as fawn. And when you fawn, you basically become a people pleaser. You just kind of give up your own um, choices and significance and you just want to make everybody happy that's talking to this reptilian brain the next level up is this rat brain and in the rat brain the rat brain is very spatially smart and it is also where you start seeing kind of the um more of what i call the get money mindset because the rat knows how to look at its environment it knows how to get it out of the mud it knows how to stack the, the racks or whatever you may say, but what happens over a period of time, if a person is not smart enough to keep moving forward, they will collect a mass amount of material that is worthless to anyone else but themselves. So now you have a lot of goods, but you can't trade them out. You can't barter them. You can't, you can't flip it for what you really need. So you have an abundance, and yet you can't get your needs met. It's a type of malnutrition where you can eat a bunch of food every day and be, be, be large, and yet at the same time, your body is not receiving the nutrients that it needs. Um, the next level up from that is what I call the monkey brain. Here in the monkey brain, we develop skills, we develop tools, and we can take these tools and tips, techniques, and we can transfer them to our kids. We, we, we're now moving somewhere. We can learn to produce, and here you see people begin to have a lot. And yet at the same time, they don't think about other people. They, they have it all and all they keep thinking about is more, 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 more. This is the monkey brain. Ultimately, the last brain is the human brain. 
And here in the human brain, there are three parts to it. You have the have part, you have the do part, and you have the be. So you have humans that moved up from the monkey brain and they have a lot. So they're human beings and now they know how to transverse their world and help people and they use the fact that they have a lot as their significance. The next level up from that are those who do a lot. I'm an engineer, I'm a doctor, I'm an NFL player, an NBA player, and they use that leverage, that credibility to move them or propel them along. However, if anything ever happens to them, if they have a stroke, if they uh, are in any kind of accident and can't continue to do what they've been doing, they lose their significance. The ultimate level of a human being doing all of they can is from the level of being. I simply make a decision that I want to be something and then develop the habits that support it and move toward that in slow incremental steps. And as I do that for me, I'm on a podcast. I mean, uh, uh, what, is, what is this one again? Yeah, this is a podcast. Fast blog cast. All kind of cast that I do, right? Mm. Sometimes I get mixed up. Zoom calls, clubhouse. <laughs> um, I end up in a space like this, and my ultimate goal is to share with others how they can be and the process that they need to move along through to ultimately help to reduce suffering in the world, to help to reduce the struggle in the world, to help reduce pain in the world, because my legacy vision is simply to leave the world a better place than I found it. That's kind of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I know, I love that. I think, I think a lot of people say and most likely wish that they would leave the world a better place kind of referencing back to like if you go to the beaches if you go hiking or to someone's house they say hey leave leave it better than you found it and sure some people might do it here and there not not everyone does it obviously some people don't know what the hell manners is but i think i think you're doing as much as you can especially in this day and age when it comes to to bettering yourself Obviously, you're teaching your your kid how to fish. You're you're there for people, hence why you're a life coach. And I think that the the words that you say really resonate with people, hence why you're in the position that you're currently in. I I just think I just think it's a dark world, and that's the the part that scares me. What's what's something that when it comes to Christianity that 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 stuck with you during times of racism especially in this country um if i had to have a particular scripture i have there's so many of them mm-hmm. uh, if i had a particular scripture i would look at um ye are godly the children and have overcome them but greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world also i believe it's philippians 4 and 8 that says finally my brother whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, that, those are some of the ones that are just kind of more inspirational. Then there are some for me that are practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Genesis 2.10 says, And a river went out of Eden and divided into four heads, the Pison, the Gihon, the Hittikel, and the Euphrates. And then it goes on to talk about... Uh, onyx and bedulum and and fine stones and things like this 
And for me, what I saw in that scripture is ultimately, and it doesn't matter who, what you call God or what your religion is, I'm more about principle than I am about any one specific um, genre of spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so with that, when I looked at that scripture in Genesis 2.10, it says that we have one source and we should work to maintain at least four different resources. And so that's the kind of way I've approached life in that, yes, ultimately I came into this world butt naked, screaming and alone. And when I die, I, you, you know, you strip me down and won't, I won't get any colder and I'm going to leave out of here by myself as well. And so while I am here being a uh, child of source, a product of source, a creation of source, then I have an opportunity to develop multiple streams of resources or income and uh, wealth and abundance, because I know that if source can get it through me, source will give it to me. And so I don't really worry a whole lot about um, me being able to sustain my abundance of wealth. I, my biggest concern is having enough come through me where I'm able to support others on their path and journey as well. Mm -hmm. No, so I don't. I, I hope I didn't just rattle on, and I hope I, I answered your question. No, of course. The well, that's the whole point. I have you on. The whole point is for you to to speak speak your words, speak what you have to say, um, and, and I love that. Again, I I wanted you to have a platform to obviously say whatever, and even if it helps uh, a handful of people, that's that's what matters. I mean, you're bringing value to people. Uh, with with who you are as a human being and obviously that'll be that'll be impactful to to the everyday lives um, potentially depending on how they take it because everyone is their own person you said you were uh you were a minister for 20 years mm -hmm. i started when i was 13 years old and um ultimately i stepped out of oratory ministry when i was 33 the truth is it never leaves and so um, I'm always writing a sermon or, or creating something or um, working to undo or unbecome, to rebecome. Like, I'm, there's always a process going on around that. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's a practice. <laughs> That's no. all I can say. It's, it's a serious practice. What's the most impactful moment that you've had in the, in the 20 years? Um... If there's one, I'm sure there's there's maybe a few, of course. Well, I can talk. I can talk about three. Okay. One was when I found out why you don't want people glomming on to you for significant sake, and that was because I had a person in ministry who had a hard time, and I said some words to her, and she heard, you know, the spirit speaking to her, and after that, she called me every day for years, like literally every day for years <laughs> uh -huh. because she needed to hear a word from the Lord so she wouldn't kill herself. Oh, wow. And it, it frightened me to death because I know if I didn't ever pick up that phone um, within a certain amount of time, she could have been dead. Like, if she called at 12.02 and I didn't answer, she could have been dead by 12.04. Mm -hmm. So after that, I never wanted that significance. There are a lot of people out there who want a lot of people following them. I, I want people following my principles, follow my values, follow these books, follow Maslow, follow Schultz, follow Schindler's Six Emotions, follow that stuff. That's why I give it freely. Mm -hmm. Follow those principles. Don't 
like, I don't really care about me because I don't want people glomming on like that. Mm-hmm. The second uh, most impactful event uh, was a young guy who came to church one morning and he said he was going to kill himself. And he uh, just wanted to stop by the church one last time to see if there was a word from God. And um, I was the person ministering that morning. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that would have been a, a life that went off the planet had I not uh, been possibly. I don't know. I don't know. But that was a significant uh, emotional event for me. And the third one was a person who decided he no longer wanted to sell drugs. He came to, to the church. Uh, I was ministering, and he gave his life to Christ. And um, so then he became, you know, one of the, the brothers who, you know, liked to talk to me gain wisdom and advice and one day he came to me and he said uh minister holly i i can't live like this anymore he said i can't support my family because once he stopped selling drugs he started working at mcdonald's and he told me that um at the time i think the minimum wage was like seven dollars and fifty cent an hour or something and he said he just couldn't he couldn't do it anymore and he, he needed to get back into the drug game long enough to establish a different approach to life and um I started trying to call some of my friends to see what I could do to find him a better paying job, one where he could use his mathematical calculation and business skills and savvy that he learned from the street. And ultimately I wasn't fast enough because he got back into uh, selling drugs and um, it was what is known as the magnified rebound where he began to sell at a higher level than he sailed before he got out. And um, so some members found out where he lived and uh, knew about his stash. And ultimately, um, he had it hid. So they took him and they tortured him uh, extremely. And uh, they eventually found his body bloated in the woods. So that had a significant impact on me because I knew this person personally. And uh, for me, yes, I want to help people to achieve a better station in life. And I know that for some individuals that come with a, a, a significant price tag, mm-hmm. and I know what that price is because I've experienced it uh, before my very eyes. Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. How, how long was he going to church before before that happened? Was he going through it when he first started selling drugs or was that maybe after – he started getting like the the minimum wage or, or when was that well when he first came to the church he was he you know he was living a glam life yeah you know he had all the bling he had all the things he had the the, the big car the dunk you know with mm-hmm. the um the bounce and you know with the kick with the candy apple paint on it the yeah. bowling ball paint job you know what i'm saying yeah big body he, he had it all <laughs> man he was living on top of the world mm-hmm. and um, he came to church and he heard this message of, of what it you know means to be a sinner and to give your life to Christ because ultimately the life that we live now is a temporal life and you want to establish a more secure place for yourself in the world that is not this world right now. Mm-hmm. He went through that process. He did all of the stuff that he was supposed to do right. He became a contributing part of the ministry and he, he wanted to live according to the word of God. He went and he took this $7.50 an hour job. His socioeconomic status dipped. He just wanted to take care of his family. Mm-hmm. He, he 
just wanted to be an upright man taking care of his family and he needed to get back in the game just for a little while and he never came back out he never came back out that's horrible i think i think that's uh i think that's a representation of systematic racism because a lot of the people that tend to be let's just say white for this sake those people that are in positions like that they're already living with with mom and dad to them it's just bonus money for people that are in our position for me minimum wage is like nine dollars i got like 906 i'm like and, and i was on my own at that time i was like i can't do this i was trying to survive at that point but i i guess for us in particular it's like hey this isn't sustainable i'm i'm probably making I'm, I'm getting a nice stash of it taken away from going on the bus um eating food over there and, and you know so there there's a bunch of factors but it doesn't put us in a position to win and i think that obviously whereas we don't have to resort to selling drugs but that that also leaves us in a position it's like hey are we gonna drown or are we gonna do this to take care of ourselves and our family and, and that just puts us in an endless loop that, that never ends for the most part. And obviously there are some exceptions to that rule, but I think that's that applies to a, a nice majority of people, especially, like I said, it, it's the, the less fortunate are stuck in a cycle that they can't escape out of, which is why I think me and, and, and yourself as well are, are focusing on creating something better for, for our family, for our kids, for generations to come, so that way they're in a better position, so that way they don't have to struggle as we did. When I first got into the work world, minimum wage was two eighty-five an hour. That's insane. Three thirty-five an hour. Uh -huh. Right. That's insane. So here I am, fifteen years old, lying, saying that I'm eighteen, working out of day labor companies. Mm -hmm. And so I would go out of these day labor companies, work for eight hours, and so if you don't have a vehicle or transportation to get there, it was two dollars. So I just want you to think, you know, let's say three thirty-five an hour. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm going to do a rough figure on the math. And say twenty four dollars a day, uh -huh. right? So, uh, three thirty five, eight hours a day, twenty four dollars a day. So, I needed to pay two dollars for the ride to go to work, two dollars for the ride to come back to work from work. So now that's twenty bucks. It was two dollars to cash my check. That's eighteen bucks. If I wanted something for lunch, let's say two boiled eggs, a hot dog, and a and a uh, Pepsi, you know what I'm saying? Twelve ounce Pepsi. That's two more dollars. So now we're down to what? $16. <laughs> yeah. Now ask me, maybe between two to four dollars, let's say four dollars. Now I'm at $12. So I went, I worked eight hours for a full day, came home, tired as a dog, went into the house, fell over the bed with my work clothes on. I mean, absolutely exhausted for $12 for the entire day. And that's not that's not sustainable. Like I said, there there was a position. Um, I don't know how your position was back then. That that just sounds insane as it as it is, just twelve dollars. But for me, I I couldn't even afford to, I couldn't even afford rent. I could barely afford my phone bill, and, and that's why I was like, I need to find a way to get out of here. And that's that's hard to break. I mean, you end up going down a different route, alternative. And like I said, drugs is obviously one. 
or like for me in my particular case i ended up just lying on my resume just faking a bunch of bullshit i'm like yeah yeah i had all this like you know i had all this expertise and i don't know just bullshit it i just memorized like so yeah that, that's what i had to do i had to get creative because i didn't want to go down that route because i had seen other people that have gotten mixed up and stuff like that people that have died people that have gone to jail people that like if there was a certain case in particular that somebody that was uh, that was underage. They got their parents in jail and they were still in high school. It's just stuff like that because I guess they were in possession of narcotics in, in, in their home. So I, I was like, I, I don't want to go down that route, but I did have to literally fake it till you make it, you know, in a position like that. And, and I'm glad it worked out. I, I, that's one of the things that, that I'm grateful for, that, that I'm, I'm lucky. There, there has been adversity because because life isn't fair, but I think it's it's what you do with the cards that you're given as to how life will turn out for you and your your perspective of the world when i i did want to ask you this what's what 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 do you think equality would look like in the future if we actually move towards that route realistically of course because i obviously that's like i said unfortunately it doesn't i don't i don't know what where we'll end up being um i obviously like i said i wish we could eradicate it for everyone but that's not possible especially with hatred toward that's misguided towards certain groups of people i think that one of the things that we really need to do people think in terms uh all the time of like all of our blood is red we all have bones inside and 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 these kind of thought processes mm -hmm. What I would really like to submit to people who truly believe that they're superior to other groups is, one, the responsibility of being superior. If suddenly uh, there was a whole group of people that could fly, right, they, they all look the same and they could fly, I think that they would, in turn, in equal proportion to their ability, have a responsibility. And they would be responsible for helping us move to that next level, if there was a superiority, right? Um, one of the things that I would also like to submit to people who truly believe they're superior is why aren't they like breathing mercury? Why is it that we all breathe oxygen and air? Why is it that to sustain who they are, they don't, they're not drinking liquid lithium or something like that? You, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. if you're really something different, then what, then what is the difference? Where is that big dramatic difference? And the truth is, I, I really haven't, I haven't seen that. What true equality means to me, what it would mean is that we find a common cause, we create a common vision to what we want to do, right? If we really want to go to another planet, and to let's say even exploit that planet for its riches and wealth and resources and things like that why aren't we doing it as an entire human race we should find a vision that is worthy of everyone in this country to go after and with going after that vision together then we bring everybody up on set by saying something more than we all have an equal opportunity why don't we like bridge the gap? Why don't we close the difference between those groups that have been set behind artificially 
And to speak to that point in greater details, when I say artificially, I mean there are instances, huge instances, numerous instances where groups have had their Maslow's hierarchy of needs weaponized against them. It doesn't take a genius to know that you can take a man down a peg if he can't meet his cognitive needs. You can further take a man down a peg if they can't meet their self-esteem needs. You can further take people down a peg if they can't meet their community needs. Further, if they can't meet their safety needs. And ultimately, you have kind of this human animal thing if you force people to be stuck in their physiological needs. If you had to fight for oxygen, if you had to fight for food, if you had to fight for clean water, if you had to fight for a place to go relieve your bowels, you're not, you're not really anywhere close to human. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be animalistic and you're gonna raise children that are animalistic. And so if we really truly wanna get to equality, these three need sets that I talked about, Maslow's, Stokes, and Schindler, we have to help people meet their emotional needs, their Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as well as their adversity quotient needs. Some of this stuff is very easy for me to say because I've done it for over 27 years. Because not only was I a minister, but I went into the military and became a medic and then leveraged that against nursing. And so as a nurse, the way I help people get back into life, I almost said get back into life with the fans. The way, the way I help people get back into life was helping them meet these need sets. And then from that place, they started getting better in a facility and then they would take these tools and go home and ultimately um, kind of rebound to where they started from or even better in some cases. What were the tools that, that you taught back then in, in that case so that way they can feed it to their families? Is there anything... Uh, education-wise that they can do to to try to better themselves if somebody eventually down the road is listening to this and obviously they're they don't think as us they they have some spite some hatred in them is there anything that well, you think um what one if i let's say if i came from a biblical point of view yes right, uh -huh. i would start with the story of where jesus uh, went out and began to speak the Beatitudes. That same story is where he fed what is known as the 5,000. Mm -hmm. And from there, he crossed over uh, the, the Jordan with men in a boat, and he walked on water. Coming to the other side, he met with uh, a guy by the name, they call him sometimes the Gadarene Demoniac or Legion. And so in this space where Jesus was in, in the amphitheater, in the mountain, and he was teaching, blessed is the man that does this, and blessed is the, you know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and all of this. When he got finished doing all of that, the people, it was time to eat. But nobody didn't want to bring out their food because they were afraid that if, if I break out my food, there may be a person next to me over here, over there, that don't have enough. Mm -hmm. And it, then we won't have enough. And so he found a young man in the crowd that was willing to come and, and sacrifice two fish and three loaves of bread, right? And so when he did that, that giving spirit 
then began to move through the whole crowd because no one was in fear anymore that they wouldn't have enough. After he did that, Jesus and the crew told him, let us go to the other side. They jumped in the boat, headed on the way. A storm came up. They looked up that night, and here Jesus was walking on water. What walking on water ultimately means is that you've come to a place in your life where you can walk on what other men see fit. They got to the other side. There was this guy by the name of Legion. And he was in the tombs, cutting himself with stones. They would bind him in chains. But the Bible goes on to say, and no man could bind him. The problem was with Legion, they made him a scapegoat for all of their issues and for all of their problems. And he was living in a place among the pigs. And what they would do, the community, was they would sneak up and kill the pigs and eat them when that was completely against their standards. If more people were willing to come to the board with the truth that we're, hey, we're all the same. We are enlightened in some ways. In some ways, we are still growing and maturing because when you do that, you admit that I am also sneaking and eating the pigs. So what Jesus ultimately did when he cast the spirit out of, uh, of the Gadarene demoniac or legion is they went into the swine and ran over a cliff and died because they asked, could they stay in the area? And this is where I'm going with that point. When I left the place that I was originally from in Jacksonville, Florida, I got away from a lot of influences that had caused me to become an individual that I didn't want to be. And for a lot of people, I think they need to move around. They need to move around. They've been stuck in the same stale place oh. for 750 years based on what they great, great, great granddaddy taught them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the world has kind of changed around them. And they're stuck. I think you made a, I think you made a great point on that. I one of the things that I realized from the people that I have met in my life is obviously it's, it doesn't hold true 100% of the time, but I would say a majority of the time, the people that have traveled around the world um, or just not even in their own like county, they've, they've gone somewhere hours away. They were able to get different perspectives out of the state uh, or even out of the country even better. <laughs> is is that they they're more open to perspectives because they they have their sets of beliefs challenged whereas like you were mentioning other people they're kind of stuck on what their granddaddy said and that's just been passed on and and passed on uh, into the cycle of of hatred and I, that's i don't know that'd be really cool if we could just get people to just explore and not just stay local you know but yeah that's tough i don't know Dude, that takes being able to say things like, hola, come on, stars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're in English. Yeah. Right? It takes things like saying, um, Nehango Gawa Karimaska, right? <laughs> like yeah. being able to speak a little English, being able to speak a little Japanese, being able to speak uh, a little um, Spanish because I move around, mm -hmm. right? I've seen different communities, and that's why I say common sense. Is not common sense. Common sense is community sense. This is kind of back where I started from. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? Common sense is community sense. What gives me the right to say that? How? What? What's my credibility? How do I know? 
oh, because I was a travel nurse for a long time, mm-hmm. and I've been to different communities, and I travel in my regular life, and I have nieces and nephews that I have Japanese, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm speaking to a point that Tony was speaking to last night, my indignation wasn't coming from the fact that I have friends that are Asian. No, it's coming from the fact that I have nieces and nephews that are Asian, right? So mm-hmm. when, you, when you're living this life, when you're defending these principles, I wanted to keep my cool, and I'm working on emotional maturity. I really am. I have a singing bowl. I have a practice, you know, namaste and all those things. And at the same time, when, when you realize that there are people who have limited their consciousness based on what. So I'm, I want you to think about something. Why is it that I would think that just because I have this melanated skin and people three or four generations removed from me did these amazing things? Now, I'm born into that family. I have the same skin. Why do I think I'm superior when I've made no contribution to the cause? Mm-hmm. That For me, that just seems a little disjointed. I have to put my time, I have to put my skin in the game. And then yet there are whole other groups of people that are born perceiving that they have a particular privilege because the lack of melanin, somebody three or four generations before them made a contribution to society. And yet they were born in that family, born in that group with that particular uh, uh, skin suit. And all of a sudden they're superior. I don't understand when you haven't put skin in the game how you can say that. That's just that's just Mm -hmm. No, that that's a very warped and and twisted point of view, Um, and I think that that kind of just boils down to to them having the advantages that that systemic racism that that I was talking about. The next question that I wanted to get to basically it ties into that. Obviously, you know where my position stands. Do you believe in in white privilege? And if so, do you mind explaining a, a little bit on that from your perspective? Um, I absolutely do. Me too. Absolutely. I absolutely do. How, because when you can, again, weaponize need sets, right, you gain an advantage that other people don't have, not because they can't have them, because you have stacked the deck against those people. And when you say things like, pull yourself up by your bootstrap, mm-hmm. well, okay, all right, right let's, let, let me go here first. Mm-hmm. In the United States, one of the ways that this privilege has been doled out is when you think of things like homesteading in the West, when lands were being taken away from Native Americans and being provided to others for a fee as long as you can homestead that land for a particular time. Well, if you also open the floodgates for immigration where people are coming into the country and you're only allowing uh, a certain number from some areas, but large swaths from other areas, you can quickly see how you can then turn the tide on who's the majority in the country. Mm -hmm. especially if you say 
that America is, our political system is a democracy. That means to be ruled by the mob. Well, if you have control over what the mob looks like or who is in the mob, then why wouldn't you give your particular group a head start? Mm -hmm. So then even if somebody like me showed up 200 years ago to homestead, one, if I couldn't pay the fee, two, if I couldn't buy the supplies, three, if my neighbors came at night and burned my little hut down, how long is it before you realize that you're at a disadvantage. If you look at things like redlining in the country, if you look at unfair banking and loan practices in the country, I mean, right? Mm -hmm. And still to this day, I know, having worked in management and corporations and things like that, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. So if you could show up in the 60s and go into the military and because of who your father is, they make you a flight pilot. I mean, you're going to make a lot more money. You're going to have a lot more fringe benefits than this other person who shows up. And they're like, mm, not really sure if you meet the criteria. That's a so fact. So in that way, over a long period of time, you can see how the advantages and disadvantages would stack up. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was very nicely said, and and for people that don't understand, like for example, like the unfair bank practices and how they structure certain loans for certain people, just go ahead and take a look at just go ahead and Google that. You'll you'll be able to find that a lot of people that like let's say people of color have higher credit scores than let's say in particular a white person, but because they live in this side of the city, they're not technically eligible for those exact same loans. And if they are eligible for loans, it's significantly less than, than let's say the white guy living in the nicer si side of the city. That's just a fact and, and people can look that up easily. And I, I think you did a great point um, sticking to that. W another thing that I did want to ask, this is more personal, how did you feel during or after the George Floyd incident how was it like for your position? Were you were you scared? Were you, were you antsy? Because obviously there was a lot more a lot more violence throughout the country than normal, and and obviously that's another thing that that I mean the majority of pe uh, people that are cops are white, and that's just a fact. And obviously they're going to look down on other people that that they don't see as equals, and and I think that just kind of gravitates more towards just just racism as a whole uh, kind of like you were saying like people they'll look out for themselves at the end of the day and if they're not of in particular for color they're gonna they're gonna look down they're gonna treat you like shit they're gonna be more aggressive and i think i i, I don't know that's that's the thing that kind of haunts me haunts me all the time i obviously i'm, I'm mexican I, i've had i've had some bad experiences i've i've, I've been arrested almost arrested actually Somehow the guy let me go. I don't. I don't really know why. But he was like, "You fucking beaner. You fucking wet back." Yeah, yeah. And this happened. He was like, uh, and I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to be a firefighter." I'm like, "Look, I li I have my books. I have everything in my car." I was like, "I'm not doing anything bad." I, I gave him like my password to my phone to like look. I'm like, "Dude, I'm not doing drugs. I've never done anything like that." I'm like, "I've done. Uh, yeah, I, it's horrible." So I've had, and I've had a few other instances as well, but. Uh, I still don't think that even compares to like, let's say if you have more melanin, you know, and I think that's, I don't know. 
that's some of the things that that like I said, it it just haunts me. And just just thinking about being in their position. So I guess going back to that, how how did you feel? Well, I uh, have three things that I kind of want to speak to on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you, there it is. And I didn't want to forget them, so I just kind of jotted them down. No, you're so, fine. Yeah. Uh, there is um, after that. Well, during during that whole time, like it was a ramp up. Like for mm-hmm. me, it never. There was never a place in all of my years since five years old where this has settled down. There's never been a time when it was calm for me. And so I've been doing shadow work for a long time. <clears throat> One of the reasons why I kind of stepped out of the oratory uh, processes in ministry is because I kept searching for answers that I could not find. I'm not saying other people. So I needed to step back so I could do better preparation because I felt like there's a lot of things in the spiritual package that you receive, almost like showing up for um, orientation and you're looking in the information and you never find the things that pertain to you. And so it went past orientation over into the SOPs, the guidelines, the policies, the procedures, and I still never found anything that helped me calm down. And so then I, you, you look at things like leading up to George Floyd, you had um, the guy who was jogging in, in Georgia who was blown down, right? Let's If you want to go all the way back to like where, where could you – put a solid pin, let's go all the way back to Rodney King. And it's never calmed down after that. Then you just you just keep you just keep building up. And then so you have this guy in Georgia who like these old ex-police officers who show up and just gun him down in the street. The next thing you know you have this police officer who's putting his knee on this man's back and saying, oh it's the drugs that did it, but he wouldn't take like people are begging with him, begging him, please take your knee off the back. And he he refused to do it. And I'm going somewhere with that in a minute, right? Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it became a dark night of the soul. That's that, that became a very dark place for me. And I realized that I needed to do some heavy-duty shadow work. And um, that my larger group and community at large, um, um, I want to express a great amount of gratitude because they stayed there with me while I went through some of those processes. And it was pretty heavy work that I needed to do. I want to go on to say that when I was a young man living in the, because I was raised in the hood, and um, I, it was just the way it is. I had to do some good things because there was no other choice. I had to do some bad things because there was no other choice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always blew my mind was that the police would come out and they would do drug busts and drug raids, and they would take away the bad guys. And they would celebrate. They would celebrate themselves, like giving out Grammys or Emmys and nominating themselves for different awards in their community because they could, right? Rich people just giving a prize to another rich person. They would tell each other how great they were as cops and what good jobs that they were doing because they were the good guys busting the bad guys. But then they would leave the neighborhood vulnerable to the evil guy because the only thing that stopped the evil in the dark of the night was the bad guys with guns and boom boom sticks but the police would come in and raid and take away all the bad guys and now you have evil guys sitting on window ledges getting ready to rape sisters until they scream out your name and bring out the evil in you oops i went off on a tangent (laughs) because that was me so 
that we have to come to a point where we realize that, yes, if you socioeconomically suppress a group of people and weaponize their need sets against them, it is going to produce a whole class of people that have to do things because they have to do it, good, bad, or indifferent. Then the next level up, I want to kind of talk to, when you were talking, we were kind of talking about the George Floyd situation, is I learned a long time ago that when it came to Caucasian officers and black men, when they would show up, what they wanted was not compliance. They wanted absolute humility. They wanted you to humble yourself in such a way, almost where you got down on one knee and begged them, please master, don't kill me. And I say that because what they want is humility, and if you don't give it to them, they will humiliate you. If you look at a lot of the situations that's going on, when they were begging for that officer to take his knee off of that man's neck and back, the reason why he didn't wasn't because George was or was not in compliance. He didn't because he was working toward pure humiliation of the person on the ground and the people begging him to stop. And so if you go back and look at a lot of the instances where there's these cops against people of color, a lot of times what their goal is, is humiliation. I just want to submit that to the table for anybody to go back and take a look at. They may prove me wrong, or they may prove me right. Mm -hmm. Everything that you're saying is is pure gold because I, I think... I don't think there's a way that I could have phrased that better myself. I think when you were mentioning the point where it's they want you to be you they want you to to be humiliated or they want you to show humility. It's I'm I mean I don't know about you, but it makes me like lose hope a lot. I don't know. I don't it makes me wonder about the future whether that be in 10, 20, 50 years how everything will be. Do you have any speculations as to if we'll change, do you think? Do you uh, think we'll I, maybe... I use hope as a basic building block. Mm -hmm. It's a basic necessary ingredient. And at the same time, I move away from hope as fast as I can. Okay. The reason, and, and then after hope, the next level up is a wish. Mm -hmm. I don't like hope. I mean, I like it, right? Remember mm -hmm. those three stories that I told you? Yes. A lady called me every day for years not wanting to commit suicide. Uh, a man came to church. He sat there. I preached to him. He didn't commit suicide. Another man came in. He wanted to change his life, ultimately went back out, got tortured and cut up and thrown in the woods, and they found him bloated. And every one of those situations, the reason why those people lasted as long as they did was because of hope. Mm -hmm. So hope is a, is a very baseline ingredient. The next level up is a wish which, yeah, I'm not really good on wishes. <laughs> because every time, if a genie, if I had a lamp right now, or even this singing bowl, right? Yeah. If I chimed this singing bowl and a genie came out, boom, and uh -huh. a genie rolled and said, what would you have of me? You get back in that singing bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can enrich your life. No, bro, you think that I'm getting ready to owe a thing that was made out of smoke and dust that came up out the little singing bowl lamp thing and now for the rest of my life, I have to owe you something? No, man, I don't want no wishes. That's 
Mm-hmm. No, never mind. Because wishes mean you get the thing and you still owe for it. Mm-hmm. No idea how long you're going to have to work for it. I'm, I'm, I like hope. I understand it. I understand the principle of a wish. And then I'm like, yeah, no, not necessary. And then I see a place where if you're empowered, we can actually take advantage of everything that is to come. And that's the principle of rain in this way. It rains on the most righteous man in the country. Let's say it rained on Mother Teresa and the, the most heinous serial killer and child molester. I, I, I would find somebody hard pressed to say the rain came down on Mother Teresa, and but when the rain came, it parted and went around and left the worst place on the person on the planet dry. That's not how it feels. Mm-hmm. When it rains, it rains on all of us. If we wanted to get a better idea of that principle of rain as we move toward the future, let's call it change instead of rain. Change is going to happen for all of us. There's not one of us alive that change moves around them and leave them unscathed. Here's the power behind that. When it rains, if a person simply owns a property and digs a hole, a large enough hole, you'll get a lake that you're able to put trout in and fish and all have set up a sanctuary if you wanted to, <coughs> right? Mm-hmm. While somebody over here, it rains on them and they do nothing with it and it just soaks into the ground. Same rain. One person just took advantage of it. Change is going to happen. It's inevitable, my friend. If you create a vision for yourself, make a decision on who you want to be and work those 21 days, 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, a lifestyle towards that vision, right, with a clear understanding of why, with a clear understanding of your purpose then these people can take advantage of change in a way that a person just walking around all willy-nilly never would. It's the equivalent of one man creating a lake and another man allowing their rain to just soak into the ground. Why do you think so many... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, why do you think so many people are just in in that, that standby mode? Why do, why do you think more people don't want to change into being a better person that they could be or as opposed to they're just watching they're just watching movies or they're just on Netflix? Why do you think that is? We are the stories that we tell ourselves, my friend. Mm-hmm, I've heard that. The better story we tell ourselves, the better our life becomes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So then you have to make a decision. And this is the hard part. This is the hardest part. Uh-huh. Lonnie, as a life coach, Tell us the good stuff. We're the hard Let's stuff. Let's go. The, hard stuff. the hardest thing is, okay, right here to here, not so hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I see that my family has been telling me these stories. I see that I was told that I'm a white guy and these black people, they just taking all our jobs and all our money, right? Mm-hmm. They told us black people, Man, let me tell you something. Keep on going over there, playing around with these white people. They're going to get you. Because I'm telling you, I've been down that road and you can't trust them. This is where I'm getting my stories from, right? Now I make a decision on any in any group, in any group, 
I don't care what, what their nationality, race, color, creed, foundation, background. You say, I'm going to shift because there's something about these stories that I don't align with. So now you shift here and you come to this place and you say, I know that I can be better than this. And at the same time, I love these people. Here comes the hard part, my friend. When you have to make a clear decision that I will no longer allow this stuff to be a part of my life. I'm going to make a clear, hard choice that I'm going this way. I want to be better in life. I want to have a different investment. I want to leave a different legacy. And I can no longer allow those old stories that I told myself, the old stories that came from grandma, grandpa, my mom, from the other people around me, whatever. Like, I can no longer allow those stories to be the steering mechanism for my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to let that go. That's... When we come to a place to be able to do that with more people, we'll be on Mars in a matter of months. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only a handful of Elon Musk out there. So so many people that yeah that really actually wanna wanna create change. Uh, actually speaking of Elon Musk, do you entertain the whole? Um, I know a lot of white people believe this. I I don't even know where the hell I'm at on this, but <laughs> do you believe? Uh, I I guess kind of going back to that reptilian brain. Do you think people are uh, actually possibly? "Quote unquote shapeshifters," because I have heard that from certain people. That's a conspiracy, though. That's going down a different rabbit hole. Well, um, I have a book here called "Children of the Matrix." If anybody's interested ever in going and looking up that, mm -hmm. it's by a guy named David Icke, and um, he actually speaks to that as a concept: the reptilian, the greys. He talked about the those from uh, Limeru from. Uh, uh, not from Lemuru, is it? Yeah. Lemur, Emeru, Egypt. Like he talks about all of the Atlantis. He talks about all of these ancient um, thought processes. The, the place where I broke with him is when they began to speak of the Aryans. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, kind of, he began to the speak of the supreme race. Of the Aryan nation. You say, what's that now? Oh, the uh, quote-unquote su uh, supreme race, correct? The supreme race. And then so I studied him back. There's also a book out there called Three Magic Words uh, that I, I read. Um, and uh, in that book, he references something from this other book that Ike took his stuff from. So when I went back and studied these old world books called The Secret Doctrine, there's a version one and two. In the secret doctrine, that's the first time there was a reference about these different races and race categories. Um, there's a lot said about the lady who wrote those books or helped them kind of flow through her or whatever. Um, some say people say that she had a type of mental disorder. Other people say that she was a spirit, spiritualist. There's a whole bunch to be said. But I went back and read those old ancient books, and there was no supporting information to, to to like substantiate what she was saying so then when that moved forward into the three magic words forward into um this book called the children of the matrix it just there was nothing that s supported it 
Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the possibility of those things being out there, I cannot deny it. Mm-hmm. Because when you ask me, like, Lonnie, what is your belief in God? Uh, ultimately, I say G-O-D stands for the great original designer. And, like, who is that when you start talking about source, the universe, and those things, is I see God as all possible possibility. And if it's prob- possible, it's probable. And so with all possible possibilities being an option, I can't say that there are no aliens, grays, ghosts, um, reptilians. Like, And when we look at the origins of man, the Adam and Eve story is an allegory. And yet, where did Caucasians come from? Where did Africans come from? Where did uh, people of Asian descent come from? Like, there's scientists are still working on stuff, but there's no hard to find facts. We could all be star people like that's up for debate. That's a whole different other. Yeah, no, I, I that that makes perfect sense because I'm like, I don't know. I, I usually refrain from talking on stuff that I don't know because it's like I could give an answer. But but what am I basing that off of? And that that kind of just goes back to hope <laughs> and hope isn't good. <laughs> And here's the power when I speak on things that I have absolutely no no idea what I'm talking about. I call it a belief. Mm-hmm. And all a belief is is an emotional story that we tell ourselves that has been around for a long time. That's all it is. So when people start really saying, Lonnie this, Lonnie that, I just tell you straight up the real truth. Now, a lot of people may not tell you this. But I'm going to tell it to you. Mm-hmm. And you can, they can come against me, however. Here's the bottom line, dude. I'm making it all up. <laughs> I'm making it all up. For real. When you say, Lonnie, in the afterlife, is there a heaven or hell? If I ask that question, like with an absolute, dude, I'm going off of some book, something somebody told me. I don't know anyone who's died, then gone a year, and then came back to tell me all the stuff. So anything anybody tells me is all made up of. Mm-hmm. That's just me being real honest with you. No, I, where do we come from before we were babies in this world? Anybody that tells you anything, dude, you're listening to some made up shit. It's mm-hmm. just <laughs> that's just a fact, right? The objective point of view, not not just surrendering to a certain belief. Because at the end of the day, there's no concrete evidence, like you said. And you didn't talk to somebody that went down that place, whether up or down, and you didn't get the actual like testimony from them. And there's certain things that they are what they are. I don't know if you call it concrete evidence or principles or whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. If a dude walked up to me and said, Lonnie, I heard you know you on this show or that show or Clubhouse or doing this or doing that. Um, and I just wanted to tell you I don't believe in gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like seriously or, or or no? I mean I don't well, even. I'm just if they said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is, why do I care? Mm-hmm. I don't care that you don't believe in gravity. <laughs> you do. Yeah, that's not objective. Go, go, do. Go <laughs> to the tallest building. Just, just <laughs> you don't have to believe in gravity for gravity to believe in you. If you told me, Lonnie. I woke up this morning and I think the sun was sad. Yeah. 
They start getting emotional. They start getting riled up because you're questioning what their personal assumptions are as opposed to the facts. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with emotionalism. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't have, right? Like um, in America, it, it has been taught like that the better way is to be stoic. And then I've watched buses get blown up in Africa. You know? People's babies are in body parts and cousins, and all, and that's her husband, and all he is is a torso, just like closing his eyes, and she's screaming, "No, no!" Are those people less than? Mm-hmm. I mean, because here in America, a bus blows up, and a man looks at his wife, and he holds her like they have in the movie, and then suddenly from somewhere I don't know where the music come from, but then suddenly like. <laughs> yeah. And he like, closes her eyes. Who are these people? Mm-hmm. Like, how you? Anyway, man, I'm just saying. When it comes to belief and principles, I separate now. I choose to believe what I believe, and I'm telling you straight up, I make up my beliefs, bro. Mm-hmm. I choose to believe something, I don't hold it against you because you believe something else. I know all of my beliefs are made up. I know that all of the things that it really takes to sustain human life on this planet does not need our investment. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you got I hold gratitude for the sun, for the wind, for the rain, for the elements. But if I didn't, if I never held gratitude for this stuff, mm-hmm. it's not going to stop. Right, so that's <laughs> no, yeah, I I like that honestly. That's why I was I'm letting you go. I'm like, no, it's it's just it's just a fact because a lot of people just uh, just give themselves up, and that's always been one of the hardest challenges for me. Um, because I I really agree with something you said in the beginning. You that you you take the principles from the Bible at, at, like to heart, and and that's the most important thing because I've always. I, I've always had a, I've always had an issue with trying to label myself with well I was raised Catholic but and then, and then I've been getting into Christianity and and I'm just all over the place so I, I don't know where where to go but I've always had these beliefs to, to always be a good person um, just uh, just follow just do what's right you, you know intuitively what's good and what's what's uh, what's good and what's bad and just to lean more towards that and obviously not do as much bad you know so I don't know that's what that's what when I got out, their first question is, what is your moral compass? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a joke, man. Yeah. <clears throat> what? 
has your moral compass, you think that, okay, wait a minute. If I never get around reading everything in this book that tells me where my moral compass is supposed to be, that I don't have a moral compass? That's for any of us. I, I think my moral compass, to be honest with you, sits with my needs. Mm-hmm. Let me straight up with you. I think that's right? most now, people. No. That I'm not going to violate, right? I'm just, I'm just not into kids like that. So mm-hmm. just, I guess not. I never was, never will be. Mm-hmm. So that's not something that I have to ever fight or have conflict with, right? Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, um, a hamburger might get me in trouble if, <laughs> if I had you in a few days. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I, just, you, I might just be outside of Burger King and you might order, you know, the full meal <laughs> deal and I just might come in and take the burger off the plate. Yeah. Like, you know, like they're like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm like, hey man, no disrespect. Sorry, y'all, y'all gonna have to charge this to the insurance, but I'm eating this burger today. Yeah. Then, you know, like, oh Lord, yeah. I got myself in some situations. Mm. But your moral compass a lot of times is in direct proportion to meeting your needs. Mm. I sent you a document, by the way. Yeah, let me take a look um, at it. I just got that. Do this document right here. The mind map. This is blazing heat, boy. Yeah, I let me us- see. You let this out, man. You, right, you, you sweep my heart. I don't usually let this out. <laughs> I got it right here. And oh, oh, so that. got all the answers. You oh, snap. All, I'm sitting in front of you, looking, talking, mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that you're asking me, dude. Oh, you snap. Just, you just got all my answers. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's going down. That's going down a deep hole. Holy snap. Okay, so if That's we were insane. talking uh-huh. and I said that there are four parts that the human mind is broken into, what I, four parts might you be looking at? Uh the, you're talking about the reptilian, rat, monkey, and human, correct? Or are you talking a bit more deeper? Because this is wait a big minute, this is a minute, big wait graph. A minute, wait a minute, dude. Wait, bro. Yeah, so yeah. you're telling me that we just had this this we're we're talking right here, mm-hmm. right? I just talked about those earlier. Oh, got Suddenly you. In front of you, I asked, what are the four parts? And you just blam, 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 blam. Right? Yeah. Right? Where do we look? I'm going to look on here real quick. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's a, I, I'm just, I'm, it's because there's so much information. I'm like, oh, snap. I started out with what? When I told you, like, the, the layers, right? The Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. I told you, Dr. Schindler. Yeah. Right? You'll see him over there. Look under the human condition. Human condition, where is that? Right. Oh, I see it. I see it. Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are just a couple of things from under the human condition. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I did those two, and then I jumped over to the other side. Look (laughs) at where the AQ is. Yeah, I told you about AQ. Yeah. Do you see the rest of them? Yeah, I do. That's just the tip of the iceberg. The other four, right? AQ, CQ, EIQ, IQ. And a new one that I came up with is FQ. FQ, okay. Yeah. And so, and, and I tell you on there, I tell you now, on, I don't know, no, the FQ I just wrote on here. I haven't put it on there yet. Okay. But the FQ is basically your fulfillment quotient. Okay. Yeah. AQ is adversity quotient. CQ is the creative quotient. The EIQ is emotional intelligence quotient. 
The IQ is intelligent quotient, which in the U.S., that's the one we're like, oh, I'm better than you because of my IQ. Yeah. Man, if I was, if you put you and I in a class and I showed up out of the ghetto hungry that morning and didn't eat and I took the IQ test and you had all of your stuff fulfilled and you had hot cakes with a little sausage on the side and a little scrambled egg and you ate light and you're feeling good and we came into the same room to take the test, who do you think is going to do better? Mm-hmm. So now you walk around like, I have a high IQ because you had your needs met, man. Mm-hmm. However, with a high IQ, EQ, CQ, uh, AQ, like all of these things, it boils down to your fulfillment quotient. This is why people say money can't buy happiness. Because you can have a lot of money and not be fulfilled. That's, yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. I'm going to go down... <laughs> down this in full depth after this call man that's all i all i gotta say is thank you for that that's crazy i let let me let me can can i ask you something yeah far away man okay so i have a question so you were talking about uh how people's morals compass are, are compromised based on their own needs so let's say somebody's trying to be uh like say a better christian right at the end of the day you're a human but let's say we're talking about having sex. At the end of the day, that's a sin. So where what's the most is it better to just hold it in or what what would what would you recommend or say for something like that? Cuz yeah, that that's a that's a good uh example. This is the stories that we tell ourselves, man. Mhm. These are the stories that we tell ourselves. These are social norms. These are social contracts. Mm-hmm. These are based on a social construct and Do you mind if I interrupt you real quick? Uh, I want to keep this conversation going. Uh, my uh, my charger unplugged. I'm gonna plug it in real quick. You keep talking. I have it on speaker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and and ultimately for me, dude, I I have man, you making me tell you all my good stuff. Dude. <laughs> all, all the so good stuff. I believe in this um, five philosophy concept of ways to see the world, and with that, I believe in. Um, the Flintstones, uh-huh. the Jetsons, the Walking Dead. Um, I don't know something like World War II, and the last one I would have to say is Independence Day. And what that ultimately means is the Jetsons. I mean, the Flintstones are is caveman thinking. The Jetsons are futuristic thinking. The Walking Dead is zombie apocalypse. World War II would be a regular apocalypse, like a nuclear apocalypse, uh-huh. and Independence Day would be alien invasion Okay. kind of thing. And this is where that fits in. When we look at our world, how would what we call norms or social norms or these contracts that we have with people or our views on sexuality or stealing or <laughs> any of this, how would it change if it was put into one of these five philosophies? So when you, we talk about, like, there was a lady last night that was talking about burgers and meat and, and, and animals and slaughter and how bad it is for the environment and all of this stuff. How would that thinking change if we were in cave times? Significantly, there would how be no discussion. 
So then would you, okay, so we live in cave days, mm-hmm. right? And we're yeah. hungry. And like, there's a woolly mammoth coming. And nobody knows about this mammoth but me. And I go out and I kill this mammoth, right? Uh-huh. And then would you think that I'm a, right now, if there was one woolly mammoth on earth and somebody goes out and kill it, oh, dude, morally, like, woo, yeah. That dude, you're gonna, yeah, you probably never see the light of day. Again. <laughs> you're done. You're done, yeah. But if you go back to that time and we're hungry and the village needs to eat and we don't have food and winter's coming and I go out and I take that mammoth down, how do you think people will view me? Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm a, I'm a freaking hero. Yeah. Same thing with sexuality. We're all here no matter what. How many pumps, how many squeaky bed springs, <laughs> whatever it costs. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. That is why we're here, dude. Mm-hmm. We're all, there's no human alive. Well, maybe some. We got a bunch of test tube babies now. <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah. Four test tubes. And even with that, they gotta, you got to get it out. Like, you got to stick a needle in and pull it out of something. Yeah. Some meat sack, something. Mm-hmm. And if you go far enough back, the way humans came into Earth, into the world, was squeaky bear springs. Or whatever, you know, some bastion rugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? So now all of a sudden, we say we want to rise above the animal brain and let the higher level consciousness control us. And so now this is what makes us human. Mm-hmm. And so now as humans, we start writing out what humans do or do not do. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. These are just the rules, our social construct in our community, mm-hmm. our social agreement. Hey, Amen. I'm just being honest with you. Find your on that. A person needs to find their moral compass on that. And um, don't break no laws. <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing, right? Don't, don't break no laws. Yeah. And at the same time, like, it's a need, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, and I don't want to get into discussing conversations, but a lot of times people talk about things like masturbation, and they would ask me questions on that. How does God see see that? Well, um, in the middle, I can't really reach the middle of my back. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, yeah, see? see? Yeah, I can't. See I mean? Yeah, yeah. And if you really wasn't, if you really, like, if you really shouldn't be able to help yourself, why is it in the middle of your back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I can't, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, man, every time I come in the room, you got an itchy back. Mm-hmm. Your back be itching a lot. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm saying that if you look at things from a caveman consciousness, everything is the way that it is. Because it's serving a purpose. Mm-hmm. To include, <clears throat> I know this is going to sound to some people like way out of left field. There is um, a such thing called duck rape, right? <laughs> okay. Where the female duck has not chose, like she didn't choose this male duck as her mating partner. And he's just going, he's just going to get him some duck breeding in. So she has uh, a space in like within her body that if it's not some like a duck that she chooses she opens this other side and 
it, it never, it can never uh, fertilize a certain age. Mm-hmm. It can never fertilize a certain age. That just speaks to how often that has happened in ducks. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nature has a way of protecting or producing something to have an other outlet or possibility. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to us as humans, I think our bodies are structured and designed the way that it is in every sense of the word because the potentiality and possibility of something happen, happening is built in. Those the people who need to grab that, they're going to grab it. Yeah. You know I tried to speak at a high level without being vulgar. Mm-hmm. No, I, if you want to be vulgar, this is this is the podcast for. If I'm being honest, but honestly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, hey, this podcast is called socially irresponsible, so hey, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call this podcast duck rape. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it. Uh, anything to trigger people because I don't subscribe to the whole PC culture shit. The whole yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, hey, man. I'm just- even what I said so far, a lot of people probably gonna get triggered. You gonna get some. I get hope some so. I hope so. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> what makes them think he know everything? Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. What gives him credibility? Is he yeah. a licensed sociologist? <laughs> I'm only ever speaking to my younger self. Mm-hmm. No. People are like, what is your degree? That have you been able to speak that? I don't care if I have 15 million degrees. Every time I'm speaking, I'm speaking to a younger version of myself. Mm-hmm. Because if some kind of way I could teleport back in time, mm-hmm. and, and this information is available for my 15-year-old self, oh, man, I'd be eating this up all day. Mm-hmm. I'd be eating this up all day. So I only ever speak to my younger version of myself. That's my credit. That's, that's the position. Yeah, that's I like that. No, I... I always subscribe to the fact that I'm like everything I say is is basically in short retarded. So if if you don't like it, I'm like that's it is what it is. Everything I'm saying is wrong. Heads up, like that's usually always my disclaimer when it comes to anything I say. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, <laughs> take it or leave it. I'm like, whatever, you know. That's one of the things that I don't like. A lot of people that I've seen nowadays is. <laughs> That that for the most part, it's like, hey, if you're not like socially accredited, you have no knowledge. I'm like, that's not fucking fact. I'm like, you you Ooh, take those social contracts again, those constructs, those stories. Mm-hmm. Somebody wanted, dude, you know where that came from? The Pharaoh days. If you go back to the Pharaoh days, what happened is you had somebody who was selling horses, somebody selling apples, somebody selling blacksmithing work as a service. And so guy comes to the blacksmith and he's like i need these 20 horses shoes and then the blacksmith is like what are, what are you going to pay me he's like i don't have any gold uh what's the cost and he's like seven horses mm-hmm. and then horse guy's like seven horses have it all you know my 20 horses shoes are not worth seven horses the argument ensues well trade it for me in apples how many apples is seven horses mm-hmm. how many chickens how many gold nuggets so they couldn't speak universal language. So the Pharaoh would have his children work with the blacksmith a while, the, the horse guy a while, like all of these different people. And then they would come in with scribes and he would say, actually, it's worth five horses. And that's worth 250 apples. Mm-hmm. So they had universal consciousness on what is known as university. And so then who gets the benefit out of that? 
those people who are socioeconomically better prepared. Mm -hmm. Then if you just happen to have some peasant kid who's super bright, born with numbers in his head, then they give him a scholarship or something. Again, using the IQ as the marker for where we should go as a civilization. Was that? At the same time, I think emotional intelligence should be factored in. Creative quotient should be factored in. Like, why isn't all this other stuff being factored in? This is a conspiracy me, but I think that's more to... <laughs> To have to create like a functioning society, just teach people how to how to do their work personally. That, that that's just like again, that's going down a like a deep deep rabbit hole. But that's what I think because you're not they don't factor in all these things, and everyone knows that that doesn't determine who you are as a person oh. and your knowledge. Everyone knows that. So why haven't they changed it in 200, 300 years? Cool. That's more like a that's like a ditch on the side of the house. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the reason why I say that is because <coughs> it is a known fact that the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and the Morgans created the education system mm-hmm. based on Henry Ford's assembly line. Mm-hmm. Assembly line. As soon as they came out with the assembly line process of being able to create and develop things, then the education system said <clears throat> we can have a more profitable America. If we sent our, if we took Americans' kids, ran them through a process to normalize their thinking through social contracts and everybody's on the same page, we're going to get more production. So what did they say? They came to American families, and at first, they made it a simple offer. Give us your child. You can double your success because now mama can go to work too. So give us your kid. We'll put them in state education. Both parents go to work. You can have double the success. Mm. Somewhere along the line, they were like, mm, yeah, we're not going to have it as an option anymore. Mm-hmm. If you don't send your kid to our learning institute, you're going to be in jeopardy of arrest. Now it's not just education. It's indoctrination. So every person in America from one age to another need to go through indoctrination to learn and they still haven't upgraded high school man we came out of the industrial revolution we're past the information age we're over into the entertainment age and they're still making those kids go to school and they are um what is it conditioning them to move to the ringing of a bell think about it there you are in a warehouse working it's time for lunch how do you know? Yeah. It's time to come back from lunch. Mm-hmm. It's time to move from this assembly line to that assembly line. How do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know when it's time to go from homeschool to first period? Yeah. First period to, to break period to go to PE? I just I label that as, as brainwashing. Another sick thing mm-hmm. that I, I've never liked is um, oh, the, the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United. I'm like, the flag can suck my dick. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, ah, fuck no. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking take a kneel, bro. Fuck this shit. <laughs> fuck, I know. So I, I, you're telling me, you're telling me, mm-hmm. I'm in a situation here with you, and this person is from under a different flag, and you are doing some heinous things to this person, and I say nothing to you, because I pledge allegiance to a symbol. 
Mm -hmm. Whoa, I pledge allegiance to a symbol, not to another human being. Mm -hmm. That blows my mind. And so when we look around, one of the things that you see more than anything else is we talk about the heritage of these symbols, social contracts, social agreements, conditioning, common sense. Dude, this is not conspiracy theory. This is all yeah. practical and reality. And some people are living their lives under these old stories. We are the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. The better story we tell ourselves, the better our life becomes. Or we can keep telling ourselves these same old hand-me-down, shitty-ass stories and keep doing what we did. <clears throat> There were some things I had to get out of, man. Mm -hmm. Heaven and hell be damned. Because I could not. I pledge allegiance to this old ass ancient book. That was founded on racism. And <clears throat> and what? Rape and uh, I, theft of land, I guess. Of all these things. It's like, what? Genocide. Yeah. Selling your own daughters into to sex slavery. Mm -hmm. Like... <clears throat> We go back, man. Yeah, we can we go, go back. back. And I get, like I said, I like to be the advocate and the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. I, I can take some of them stories out of there, man, and make people like <laughs> want to rage against the machine. Yeah, it's all perception, bro. It's all a matter of perception. What do you think about those people that that uh, that say? Because there's this crazy motherfuckers that are always like. We're not. Uh, oh, it's not racist anymore. We'll look back, like slaves are are they're they're not uh, locked up anymore. Like we, we can vote now. Uh, you can get a car. You can pursue your career. What do you say to like those people? Because you know that those people are out there. Like, oh, it doesn't exist. I'm like, you're being willfully ignorant. Just because there's no fact, unless there's a particular case, and they disregard it. But I think all of it's gone, or a nice majority. Of it. I'm like, that's you're you're doing it on purpose. I, I'm like, I don't know. That that kind of like irritates me personally. Lonnie, there is no one alive today that has ever owned slaves. And there is no one alive today that has ever been a slave. But there are people alive today that have benefited from their forefathers owning slaves. And there are people alive today still suffering because their forefathers were slaves. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah, what? and that's a fact. Man, let me tell you something. You, you, you must think I'm insane if you say that you, okay, we're supposed to be running a race and you have gotten like five, a five-mile head start on me. And then you open up the gate and say, you both have the opportunity to win. Yup. Yeah, a lot of people always say that. They always go back to, oh, we have the same. I'm like, no, you don't. Uh, no, you don't. You're, yeah, like you were saying, I'm like, their, their grandparents and their great-grandparents and, and so forth, they benefited from that labor. That gave them that head start. And while though, while though not everyone, I like obviously I'd say like a nice majority of the people have a lot more. If you were to statistically put it in regards to to people of color, you know, I mean, I think that's disgusting. Yeah, like you said, it's like oh, it's free game, it's a fair race, but it's like no, you, you started running five miles before. How's the race fair? Why do 
people uh, in certain groups name their children after products. That, like for me, that just seems crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's, there's certain things that I, I would choose not to do with my kids. Yeah. I don't go name my children things that I don't have. Things that I. Oh, like Bentley. Yeah. Mm. Why would I name my kid Diamond? Why would I name my kid? I'm not, not, hey man, whoever, I'm not knocking anybody. Do your thing, but I'm not going to name my child Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name my child Cavassier or Hennessy. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just me. I choose not to name my child after a product. And at the same time, I understand that these individuals are attempting to recreate a culture. Right? Yeah. For us as a people, we just don't have a tradition of naming our child William, and his nickname is automatically Bill. Charles, and his nickname is automatically Chuck. Robert, and his nickname is automatically Bob. I mean, you go far enough back, it was Ungufu or something, mm-hmm. right? Our names were stripped away from us. We were given new last names, the last name of whoever owned us. So when you're reaching, trying to find your own particular brand of culture, you do these things as you are attempting to mature to a place where you have social norms. So these things exist because this group for hundreds of years have passed down this tradition. I said all of that to say, one of the most painful things for me is to be in a room with somebody that says, I can trace my lineage back here in America to seven or eight generations. Good for you, old child. Good for you. But when I start to do that, come on, man, I'm going to run into broken stuff. Not because the father left the home, but because somebody was sold. You know? Mm-hmm. Because somebody was shot because they had too much mouth or something. That's that's where I am on that issue. When people say we, we're no longer up under that bondage. Mm-hmm. Some of those old stories that roll down have deep, lasting impacts. You can't just shake it off like it was dust on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's in your DNA. They call it epigenetics. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess kind of referring uh, back to uh, people naming their kids stuff that they can't afford, just a little twist on that. What do you think about, uh, what would you call it? I guess visualization. Do you, uh, are you a subscriber to that? Well, um, I would have to tell you that I don't like the words past, present, and future. Okay. When you talk about visualization, here's the reason why. I found out after working in a nursing home for a long time that all of our memories are no more than juice in our head. Very easy to understand. I can take this right here and boop. Yeah. And all your memories are gone, dude. And you can't get them back, and I can't give them back to you. All that is just chemical compounds moving around in your head, synapse, dendrites, uh, neurons, neural pathways, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I call that the liquid. When somebody talks to me about my past, my past is my liquid. It's almost like a liquid waste product. I can go back there for a little while, but to stay back there too long, number one, it's going to stink, and it's corrosive. Then my future, I don't like the word future. I don't even know what that word means. It doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. So I call it virtual reality. 
My future is virtual reality. And people who stay in their virtual reality get anxious, nervous. They're worried all the time because all worry is is a misuse of imagination. When it comes to our future, all we have is nothing. And then we have the now. And I call my now the rig. It's almost like a cockpit for a pilot with all the knobs, bells, and whistles, and things, little dinghies, and like all this stuff in here. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe that when it comes to visualization, that I can take my rig and aim it toward where I want to go in my virtual reality. And if I work toward that in small incremental steps over a long period of time, I'll get that. I don't believe that people get what they deserve. I believe that people get what they're committed to. And so visualization is just a use of our imagination to allow us to get to that place in our virtual reality. So we must be present in our now. We must attend a little bit to our liquid, right? So a little bit to the liquid, mm -hmm. a whole lot to our rig, like majority of our time in our rig, 70% of your time in your rig, 30% of your time in your VR, 10% of your time in your liquid. That's a solid balance, actually. That's a really solid one. Don't go back there more than 10% of the time, man, and don't stay up there more than 30% of the time. Yeah. Damn. Every possible good, good thing that you're ever going to experience, you're going to experience it now. Mm -hmm. It's all in a now. And there's no point in worrying about the future because, like you said, what's 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 going to be good about the anxiousness, the nervousness? You know, it doesn't it doesn't help you. Uh, and I and I have a saying. I'm like I, I call it um, paralysis by analysis, personally. Uh, and that's it's true. I mean, you you kind of just stuck in that zone. That's why you, I was like, you have to just do it. Just just pull a Nike, you know. Complete overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Complete overwhelm. I have a friend that she always says, take messy action. Take messy action. I like that. Yeah. So messy action. How did you start your podcast, man? Yeah, messy action. Oh man, you should you should listen to the very first one. The audio was all like autistic screeching into the mic and shit. And I'm like, bruh. I'm like, yeah, no, it was really bad. And, and then uh, it cut off like in the beginning. So I mean, now the the audio is getting like significantly better. Um, there's a lot. There's a little bit more structure than there was. Obviously, I'm still learning. But yeah, I because I think I, if I'm being honest, I hesitated on even starting the the podcast because. My issue was that I was trying to get like a perfect thing, but that perfect thing never mattered. And then I don't know, I don't know what happened, but somewhere down the line, I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm sick of making excuses. It's just pissing me off. I'm like, I'm pathetic. I'm 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 not I'm not what it could be." And I I don't know. I was stuck in that zone for a little bit, and then I got like disgusted with it. That I was like, "Fuck that me," you know. I was like, "I'm gonna try to be a better me on my own terms," and and then just grow from there, and just intake the wisdom from the people that I'm taking. Um, and that's another thing that I like about about podcasting as well. I get to see other people's perspectives. I get to see the, w what the science is behind things. And I don't know. Uh, well, every other episode, maybe like uh, two or three, I'll do like a dumbass one, like with some of my friends, just just dicking around. But the majority, I want I want self improvement. I want to educate. I want to I want to be a better version of myself. I want I want to connect. Oh, if you want more of this, I got yeah. all kinds of people I can send your way. I can I can do it. I Hey man, I'm like I said, I'm all for self improvement. So if you got people, just send them on mm. over my way. I got people who will be able to talk to uh, principles of sales, people who will be able to talk to concepts of music. Like, yeah, you know, I'm in a I'm in a university 
of other individuals that are striving to be the, their best selves mm -hmm. and who come to the board like this, mm -hmm. right? For me, I have no notes other than this. Dude. <clears throat> yeah. Those are my notes. I love that. Thank you so much again for that that graph. That was awesome. You, you got my notes. And this is stuff that I put out on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I should be taking pictures and being like, but a gram, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure if just, you know, photos of me is going to improve the world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's enough. So I put, you'll see, out, you go out there, all the stuff that I talk about is out there. Maslow's is out there. Um, I have something called the four-part cycle of performance that's out there that I learned from some of the stuff that I'm doing with this kind of uh, coaching work. And at the same time, it's in the Bible. Let me talk about the Joseph story. It's there it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working on um, <clears throat> a book about the David and Goliath story. And I got some controversy in there. I got some stuff that's going to probably piss some people off. I love man. controversy. Uh, I, I'm like, hey, I'd rather, I, you know what? I, I, that kind of makes me feel better, uh, what you said earlier. You were like, if you're, if you're the people pleaser, you're basically a, you're basically a bitch. Uh, but for me, I, <laughs> in short, I'm like, you're not, you're not, you're tending to others and not to yourself. That's, that's a stupid thing to do, but I'm, I'm all for the heat because I know the people that, that are going to take value from this and they're going to enjoy it. Those people are going to resonate more and they're not just going to like me. They're going to love me. And I'd rather take 10% love, 90% hate. If everyone, the whole cancel culture world is going to bitch and cry, fuck them. I don't need them. You know, I, I need, I, I'd rather quality over quantity personally. Bro, you're going to find out that people pleasing is one of the selfish things, most selfish things that a person can ever do. In fact, it's a type of arrogance. Mm -hmm. it's, it's arrogant and it's selfish. Lonnie, why do you say that? Because you can free yourself, you can develop yourself and become something far greater if you release the concept of pleasing the few people around you. The world is waiting, but what do we do? Well, in the past, what I did was try to please my brothers and my sisters and my mom and these people around me, dude, and for them, I, the truth was I was never enough. Mm -hmm. But one day I released the selfishness of trying to, excuse me, please everybody, mm -hmm. and I released myself from that form of arrogance and just put it out there, just jumped out here in the world. How the hell do you become a guy who can just jump on a podcast and talk about any subject in four parts, three parts? Oh, yeah, I got three points to make on that. Oh, I got four points to make. I can make 13 points on that. I keep going and going and going and going. Mm -hmm. That came from a place of me making a decision to stay true to who I am on the inside. Mm -hmm. And the longer I practice that, the longer I live by these principles and these rules, the better my life becomes. You couldn't have said that better. Yeah. No, I... I, I uh, uh, that's the thing that's twisted and, and, and so fucking crazy about this world. Everyone's a people pleaser. And I'm like, what do you gain out of that? I'm like, that's the reason why a lot of people hate it. Well, I, I think LA is the most narcissistic form of that. Everyone's always trying to pretty much suck off with the director or whatever guy or girl fucking either or they don't give a shit and i'm like dude i don't want to be known at, as the the fucking teacher's pet i'm like if you want to do that that's fine but that looks pathetic from my angle look how you put that together perfectly where does people pleasing come from where's the first level of people pleasing i'm not talking about your family your mom, dude, that's just how we pay for things. Mm -hmm. Babies are born in the world, and the currency, the exchange, 
is between the, your cuteness and your mother's hormones. Mm -hmm. You pray to God that her hormones kick in to love your little ass or your cuteness not going to matter. Be like, throw this little son of a bitch out the window. <laughs> yeah. Tumor. But if her hormones kick in a certain way, right, now she's protective of you, she's loving you, and the currency, the exchange is, yeah, 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 yeah. People pleasing come in when they sent us to school and they, which is the system, mm -hmm. begin to train you to accept an artificial currency as a thing that's real. The first fiat is grades, man. You go to school and you get grades. And when I was coming up, they had a citizenship grade, which means, are you pleasing the teacher? Oh, are shit. you doing what's pleasing in the class? Mm -hmm. If you do that right, you get an A. If you're not doing that right, your little ass is getting bad. <clears throat> you take it home and your mom looks and she's like, how are you getting that D in citizenship? Okay, son of a bitch. Flashback. PTSD right there. That was me with the chancla. <laughs> oh, I know about them chancla. Yeah, I was just I like, seen, shit. I seen, a, I seen a Mexican lady throw a chancla one time, dude. It went down the street, around the corner. Yeah. And he was in the friend's house playing an Xbox and hit him in the back of the <laughs> I got he one. No, man, I got one right in the face from a distance. I was like, holy shit. Fucking wow. pitcher for the Dodgers over here. Fuck. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and I was like eight when that happened. I was like, damn, y'all wilding out here. Man, I started to do a podcast one time called Chunkless and Chonates. No, let me <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, you. I, I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm surprised. I, I. I mean, for the most part, I'm always joking around. Like I. I call myself Beaner. Look at. Look at my Instagram handle, Jesus Beaner. I'm like, I have no. I do not give a shit. It doesn't bother me personally. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, it, I'm like, you can either cry and bitch about it on social media, or you can just embrace it. Just it is what it is. Just that. There's two different ways to take life, and a lot of people just choose to cry and complain. Yeah, I just wanted to grow. Um... Um, I have a story that I tell sometimes called The Man That Dug Holes. Mm -hmm. The Man That Dug Holes. And it's basically about, um, I call it the uh, first king of chance. And, and I, I just make up this old ancient story of um, these people who had like overcrowded this specific side of Babylon. And um, they needed to, the families needed to branch out. So they went to the edge of the desert. And there were several families out there, and the monsoon would come in, and um, they would have fish and things like that. And these two families got in a squabble because the, the one said, you owe us, you know, you're taking all of the fish when they come in. And so this one guy was like, well, forget it. So after the monsoon season kind of went away and, and the drought season started coming in, he just went out in the desert and started digging holes. He just started digging holes. When people would come in to visit from Babylon, and they would ask his neighbor, like, what is he doing? And he's like, oh, that is a fish. He is a stupid man. Every time you see him, he's always digging these holes. He's digging these holes. He's always digging these holes. The next year, and he, what he did was he took this hole, especially made one huge. He lined it with rocks. Like, there's like, now he's no longer digging holes. He's toting the stones. He's digging the holes and toting the stones. Then in between the stones, he put in a lot of sand. And then in that, he put in clay. And the next time the monsoon came in, he had a lake. Shit. Yeah. And then plant life grew up. And large animals started coming in to drink from the lake. Mm 
mm-hmm. and pheasants and geese and birds. The dude had so much wealth, they made him the king. And they called him the first king of chance. And the reason why was because it rained on the just and the unjust, and he simply decided to be the man that was digging holes. Right? That Again, that goes back to the same thing that I'm saying. And I'll keep saying the same thing in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. Change is inevitable, bro. Mm-hmm. Those of us who choose to change proactively based on that visioning, but I think you called it something else. Visualization. That ability, mm-hmm. Visualization, that ability to direct your rig the way you want it to be in the virtual reality and go out there and start digging these little holes. Those people are going to be successful too. Yeah, wow. well, well, at the end of the at the end of the day, yeah, from what I got from that story is, at the end of the day, they they kept doing, <clears throat> they kept working on what they believe, and and what was most important, what I really like, I guess, kind of tracing back to a few minutes ago, they didn't give a shit what other people said, and that's amazing because I think that's a power in itself because if you don't give a shit what people think, you're gonna rise higher than they ever could or ever dreamed of. Because you find yourself breaking social norms, breaking social contracts, seeing the world in a different way, mm-hmm. understanding that these people don't have the perception that you have. They can't go where you go. Like, And that's cool. Maybe I have to come back around and scoop you up, or maybe not. Maybe the universe has different plans for you. I'm coming from this internal place, dude. This is not against anybody on the outside. Like, you're not going to... You, you won't be able to beat me and make me change my mind. Mm-hmm. You can, however, present a more articulate argument that I would consider because I am very nimble of wit. I'm a critical thinker, a lifelong learner, a meta thinker, and I am willing to release anything that I used to hold on to in lieu of something better that's coming into my world. So that's who I'm committed to being, man. I think that's I think I think where you're at is where a lot more people need to be because again pride and and ego are the most toxic things nobody is willing to ever adjust their opinion um, obviously like you said other people can present it articulately but at the end of the day there's people that are like nope nope it doesn't matter or uh, or o- Obama was whatever or uh, or Trump was a good guy it's like one or the other you know like there's two mm. different bipolar I'm like you're not seeing it's 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 either black or white i'm like there's nothing in between and that's a lot of people and not even just that just in their in their daily actions and man that's i'm telling you that's some of the things that like made me lose hope in a lot of people but at the end of the day too focus on yourself it doesn't like obviously you can go down a dark hole if you worry and 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 just fret about what's going on just block it all out, which is why I think uh, if you block out the news in, in general, that's going to prevent you from – that's going to save you a lot more time, and you're going to be able to devote that time to yourself if you wish to do so. When you were born, dude, and your ego began to develop, it was never designed to be your parent. It was only designed to be a tia or, or, or your – what is it, tio? Yeah, oh, dude, Mexicans are the worst for that. That's why I'm like, I'm going to break the chain because they're the, they're the most stubborn and they stick to old facts kind of relating to what you said earlier too. They don't change. And I'm like, well, there's been new evidence that's been presented by Harvard. And they're like, no, I'm like, yeah, okay. So yeah. your ego has only ever been designed to be your uncle and auntie, never the parent. Mm-hmm. Why? My soul is not ego's child. 
So when egos show up, it's like, yeah, you can take care of the baby, but you can't name it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, no. And then at the end of the day, ego, good, cool. You came, you helped to develop the baby a little bit. You did have investment, but this is not your baby. This yeah. is not your child. And when we see everything in life like that, it makes it easier for me to say, you're right. I can let that go. Lonnie, you're over here. You're believing in this. You're doing this. You're doing that. And if you just looked at a little perspective, then you would see it like this. Whoa, you're right. Mm -hmm. How can you let it go and change that fast, Lonnie? You said you really believed in that. I'm nimble of wit. I have no obligation to you, to anybody that looks like you, or anybody in the world to be the same person tomorrow as I am today. Absolutely, I'm under zero obligation. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow, we got on this call, I snatched this thing off and dyed my dreads red. You're like, what? Why did you do that? Dude, I'm under no obligation to Any position? None. None ever. You yesterday, so you, wait, you're back in ministry now? You believe in having hell again? Yeah. You believe there's no gravity? Yeah, you don't believe in gravity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll prove it to you. I'm going to that top of the house and I'm going to jump off. I'm going to go to a oh, roof. I believe in gravity again. I believe in gravity again. Yeah, man. I'm going to go to a rooftop <laughs> bar in LA, take four shots, be like, watch, gravity doesn't exist and see what happens. I'm like, this is uh, this is for the people in LA out here. Damn you, Neil deGrasse Tyson! That was perfect. <laughs> you be damned! I don't believe in quantum physics. Yeah. I'm gonna jump off the the, the uh, what do they call it? The top of the bar, bitch. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's perfect man i think uh that i mean i i appreciate the conversation if 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 people can take only one thing is like don't fucking just stick to one position don't be an idiot don't just watch cnn don't just watch fox there's so much more than just black or white and obviously people don't want to research that they don't want to put in the work they never do and i think the majority of people that are going to listen to this podcast i think those same people are a lot more open-minded because obviously, like, like I've told you, I was like, I don't give a fuck. I want controversy. I'm like, if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to hear it, then leave. Go cry somewhere else in a hole. I'm like, go dye your hair pink and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but You know what? Here's the thing for me, man. Why I have a hard time wondering why if you don't believe anything or support a certain thing, why you got to put that on me? Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Right? Like earlier, we were talking about like kind of the sexual component. Here's the deal, dude. If you don't believe in premarital sex, hey man, where I put my ding ding, it's never gonna satisfy you. Yeah. Right? Don't do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in premarital sex, don't do it. If you don't believe in homosexuality, hey man, don't don't drop the soap in the shower. Stop going to prison. Yeah. Every time we turn around, you done got arrested again. You in there telling me, oops, I dropped you. Man, I thought you were believing this. <laughs> hey, it's yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not initiating. It's happening to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you don't believe in it, don't do it. Yeah. That's all I say, right? And get out of other people's way. Like, oh, but God's going to judge all of us based on what? Here's, I'm going to ask you a, uh, just three quick questions. Yeah. 
And I, I think I already know what the answer is <laughs> Okay. Can I go to the bathroom for you, man? Is there a way, is there a way in humanity <laughs> where you can eat uh, like an extra large burrito with all the things, jalapenos, <laughs> everything, dude. Mm. the hot sauce, everything you like? Do they have a Bluetooth system where you can, boop, boop, you are now connected to Bluetooth, and it comes out of your stomach into my stomach and I can go to the bathroom for you? I'd have to ask Elon Musk, but for now it's hey, a no. Man, <laughs> but for now it's a no. Coming up with stomach pouches. <laughs> might, might be new stomach pouches. I'm just, I'm, all I'm saying, dude. Yeah, but for now, no. The answer is no, obviously. You down there dying. You like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, bro, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can take a few breaths for you. That... You're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be all right. And you're like, yeah. Can I breathe for you? Uh-uh. I can't breathe for you. You want you're like, hey, I'm gonna man, I'm gonna come in here so ripped tomorrow, boy. My I'm gonna have get that chest, get them tries, yeah. I can't work out for you. Mm-hmm. I can't work out for you. I can't eat for you. I can't poop for you. So how in the world with anything else? Are people believing that God is going to judge me based on what you do? That just don't make no sense. The same one who gave me this breathing, eating, pooping, working out, all of that as an individual suddenly is going to judge me based on your choices. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's why some of the laws that we are enacting in this country don't make sense because we're trying to hold the whole responsible to that which is the choice of the individual. That's kind of, if you don't believe in it, don't do it and stop making these ridiculous laws, holding other people accountable for mm-hmm. no more than a belief, not hugging the sun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if people want to hug the sun, let them get burned. That's all I got to say. It's out hey, there. Hey, where Elon at? Elon, we need, we need a few ships to the sun. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll mask um, Bill Gates to fund it with that vaccine profits, man. <laughs> Be like, we going to the sun, boys. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, bro. I just wanna, I, I just wanna get in on a little bit of them vaccine profits from the, uh, from the government. Yeah. I'm about to open up me a, the, uh, a pharmaceutical company just called Lonnie's. <laughs> I ain't got a whole lot of vaccine because I ain't got all the ingredients to make it, but dude, I just just like a hundred guaranteed that the government is gonna buy it. Yeah, <clears throat> that'll fund you right there for some more. Something, man, it's some serious funding. I need. Hey, can anybody uh, just get in contact with Kamala for me? Anybody watching <laughs> this? Just Kamala. And um, you know, Biden yeah. know, you know, President Biden Biden's lost, bro. Biden's lost. Biden down here. I need about a five five hundred billion dollar loan. Yeah. I won't touch none of the money. I'm just gonna put it in a um I'm just gonna put it in a hedge fund. Yeah. You know, trust fund. Next year they can get the money back. I just want the interest. Yeah. Just make a hey, how about this? Just make a corporation called Lonnie's Pharmaceuticals and tell them you have a hundred thousand vaccines. Just collect that dough and then move to a different country. Fuck it. Get that contract secured. Let's go. Just, 
I hope inter, inter, <laughs> Interpol, I hope you're not listening. Don't know this is Hey, at the IRS, CIA, NSA, this is all jokes. And now they tapped in. They just literally clocked in right now. Right, as soon as I say that, they tapped in. These jokes, man. <laughs> awesome, hey, man. Thank you so much for your time. There's only one last thing that I want to ask you before I let you go. I, I definitely want you back on eventually in the future. But I think the last question I wanted to ask you was, uh, what do you think the best piece of advice is that you've ever received? Oh, oh, man. You... I, I, let me see. One, two. I'm, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. One from my mom and one from my dad. Okay. It's hard for me to separate it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, then my two favorite quotes. So I know you asked for one. I'm going to give you four. Oh, I'll give me as many as you want. Like I said, this is all this is all time for you, man. My mom said to me one time, association brings on assimilation because I was hanging with a bad crew. My brain has always worked a little wonky. So when she said that, she said association brings on assimilation. What she meant was if you continue to hang with this bad crowd, they're going to eventually influence your behaviors. That's what she said. That's what she meant. But what I heard was if you want to assimilate certain attributes, you need to associate with those people. Oh, shit. Okay. And that's what I began to do. Yeah. So most of my friends are doctors, lawyers, yeah. pharmacists, scientists, like that. Yeah. That's so like these people, they gravitate to me because they're like, Lottie, you make us think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, well, that's because I have a 13 component reasoning process. When I think about the human personality, people's like, well, there's only one or two or six. No. When I see the human personality, I see it as Jesus and the 12 disciples. I see it as the sun and the 12 signs of the zodiac. I see it as Jacob and the 12 and his 12 sons of Israel. So if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, well, how do you see this with the uh, human personality? I see the bull, the beast, the bomb, the baby, the bab, the brain, the balancer, the beauty, the, uh, the broadener, the blender, the beat maestro, and, uh, and the boson. So I have... 13 different ways that I just even see the human personality. My dad said this to me. <clears throat> he later on came around and he finished it up. But mm -hmm. I met him when I was 15, boy, and he chopped me in the throat pretty hard. Because right? I was like, Dad, uh, where do we go from here? You know, <clears throat> I need a few things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dad, I met you. Um, been mean to talk to you. Mm -hmm. uh, should have called you, you know, counsel alone a long time ago. That didn't really happen. So now that we met, we can talk about these things, you know, mm -hmm. how much you owe me. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I'm your son. And he said this. He said, son, mm, let me tell you something. When you stand before God, he is going to judge you by what you have achieved by starting with nothing. And he said, so I'm going to help you out a whole lot. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to give you. <laughs> Nothing. Damn. <laughs> Talk about ripping the throat, man. Jesus Christ. Ruthless. <laughs> man, like 30 years later, 30 something years later, he came around and he said, I'm going to tell you what I meant by that, son. When you die, 
you stand before God, I forgot to tell you, you are him. Holy shit. I'm like, wow, man. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Woo, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Just let God know that I done took I took that nothing available. Yeah. Made a lot man, of that. I took the statue of David out of nothing. I'm, you want to see something? I tell you, I guarantee I'm the type of dude that'll feed you until you get full off a stovetop nothing. You don't know what I can do with nothing. But I, <laughs> yeah. I'm creative as hell. I feel like when you have nothing, you get creative. I think you get really Man, creative. Be hungry long enough. Mm-hmm. And not, not only being hungry, but being hungry long enough and keep getting the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Just stay hungry and let me keep bringing you bologna, dropping off a, a roll of bologna to you. <laughs> Man, next thing you know, you'd probably be all on Oprah's show, the <laughs> chef in the back, the bologna chef. Now, ladies and gentlemen, come, let me get my microphone again. Now, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, the bologna chef. Shit, I got, well, what can you do with bologna? I got fried bologna, fricassee bologna, I got boiled bologna, I got raw bologna, oven baked bologna. Bologna mignon. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we about to get creative in here. I got bologna on the glass. <laughs> Lemon dill bologna. Let me keep giving me the same thing over and over, and I'm hungry enough. I'm mm. gonna switch it up. I'm not gonna eat this, but I'm gonna start selling it. Yeah. Right? And you brought it to a premium place. Um, the third thing that I I remember reading a long time ago by a guy by the name of Edwin Lewis Cole in a book I think was called Real Men or something like that. And he said, "You will never get a butterfly by pinning wings on a woman." I in other words, you have to be the thing and you have to go through the process. But you'll never get a butterfly by pinning wings on a woman. I took that thought, dude. I thought on it so much. I thought on it so much. I worked through it so much. It was just in my brain all the time. There I was at Taco Bell when I was a little boy working like 17 years old. And that thought just kept rolling around in my head, mm-hmm. rolling around in my head. And one day I came up with this. <clears throat> You will never get a butterfly by pinning wings on a worm. It is the confinement of the chrysalis that is the catalyst for the change of the caterpillar. So you have That's, to. I just kept thinking about it, mm-hmm. thinking about it. You will never get a butterfly by pinning wings on a worm. It is the confinement of the cocoon that is the catalyst for the change in the caterpillar. You have to transform yourself. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to go through the juice being liquefied down. You got to go through the rebuilding. You got to go through being alone. You got to go through, man, I could do a whole three-part series on the crystal. Yeah. By itself. Just by itself. Um, and the last thing is, and this is my own personal, like, this is what I really believe at my core. To the, to, to the end, to there's no more me, like my last breath. Lonnie. You see you die. What do you have to tell people? A network saves legwork and increases net worth. Your network is your network. I mean, your network is your network. <laughs> I love that. I think I saw that. No, I saw. I think I saw that in your uh, your bio for Clubhouse, right? I love that one. That one was fucking on point. Until you. 
become the person that it takes, butterfly, to have the self-value and the self-worth. Until I had my self-worth, I could not plug into my network. When I plugged into my network, it saved, began to save me legwork and increased my net worth. Lonnie, where are your gold at? Give me all your money. Yeah. Uh, can I make? Can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because my net worth is my net worth. That's where you're gonna find all my treasure. That is amazing. I, you know what? I was going to name it. I think, I think what was it? Duck rate. But you know what? I'm going to change it. I'm literally going to put your net worth is your network. That's, that's for sure. No, like that's golden. That's amazing. I mean, I, I should have been the first one. It should have been that one, but I'm going to stick to that one. It should have been that one, man. <laughs> I thought that was the chosen one, but. I'm gonna drop this on you real quick. Okay. Set this up. I got all the time in the world, man. This I'm, I'm gonna have to get off here in a few minutes because um my wife is in uh, Alaska. We own a couple of properties up there. Okay. And then we uh we we rent a space here in Washington State. Mm -hmm. And so before COVID, we would fly up there as a family and stay nine days at a time. Mm -hmm. Right. She's a medical doctor up there, and so. Um, when COVID came, it just started being longer, longer periods. So we went up there and we ended up being up there three months. And I was like, yeah. So she flies up there and we Zoom. So in order for my six-year-old to go to bed, excuse me, you know, we need to do that Zoom. But I'm going to give you this right here. Okay. Because this is something that I was practicing on for a long time. I do not own the rights and I am in no parts associated with... Um, the words that I'm gonna that are gonna come out of my mouth, I simply have been practicing this so long that it's a little bit hard for me to change it up. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I will, but like, I just wanted to. Um, I don't know. I saw myself going somewhere a long time ago, and I just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. I call this the Phantom DJ. <clears throat> You're listening to the sounds of WSOL Soul Radio, where music is the power, and we play at least 10 songs every hour. Old school hip-hop and R&B flavor, baby. What's that sound? I think I just heard a lion. And you know what? A lion never loses sleep over the opinion of a sheep. Here at WSOL Soul Radio, we have recently moved from WIIFM to WIMF5. Lonnie, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Most people approach things from WIIFM, which means what's in it for me. But when we upgraded to Wi-Fi, WIMFI, we began to see life through the perspective of what's in me for it. WSOL, Soul Radio, old school hip-hop and R&B flavor, baby. I'm on live right now with the worst raw situation I have ever been on. And they call this uh, little podcast Duck Rape, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what they're talking about. But if I had to give you one last blast, baby. Uh, one last blast, half past the monkey's ass, a quarter to his nuts. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you just like this and give it to you raw and real. Over here, music is not only the power, but it's the drama. And don't worry, Big Papa's gonna roll a nonstop on top of you all night, little mama. 
at uh, WSOL, we believe that a network saves legwork and increases net worth. In fact, until you build your self-worth, you're not going to understand that your network is your network. Again, you're listening to the side of WSOL, Soul Radio. That was fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> I'm fucking. I blacked out for a minute. <laughs> you just had your reawakening right now. Holy shit! What, hey man, what did that other dude say? No, I don't even know, I, man. I just. I was dead, man, and then I slipped away. Then, cause I blacked out. Oh, every time I put on the headphones, man, I black out. <laughs> That's me with alcohol. <laughs> Just give me some Jack Daniels and whew, we're gonna go on a trip out the here. WSOL thing, did he? Man, every time I turn, he put that headphone thing. He, he, dude, I'm telling that dude be dragging me or something. I think he be putting roofies. That's why when people be talking about they in touch with their feminine side, I'm scared of my own self. Because he roofing me and then he be touching my feminine side. Oh, shit, bro. Oh, my God. That was fucking amazing. Hey, oh, my God, Lottie. <laughs> I don't even know how to react right now. <laughs> oh, man. There are people out there that say they want to chop it up with me because they have a little smoke. I only have one question, and it comes from like a 1986 commercial. Where is the beef? Where is the beef? Because a whole bunch of these people are out there like, Mom made shake and bake it. Oh, hell. Why? Because bake tastes better than fried. <laughs> 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 Let me calm down. <laughs> oh my That's god. DJ, man. Hey, I yeah. I'm a shoot. I'm a, I'm debating putting live coach or Phantom DJ or uh, I wanted to put a medic and everything, but now I'm shook it. Hey, I'm bad, confused. Bad. Hey bro, I'm a uh, I cut up video and do all of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you say, "Hey man, I would really prefer to have this cut up in the segments or whatever." I can do I do all that thing. Dude. That's uh dude, hey, that's that's amazing, man. Hey, hey, thank you so much for your time, Lonnie. Where can people go ahead and follow you? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Where can they follow DJ Phantom? Oh, I thought you said working people couldn't follow me. I was about to <laughs> damn them. No, hey, damn them, fuck them, bro. <laughs> that's not my avatar. Working people, man. <laughs> man no, no. Look, man, I'm just being raw and real with you, dude. I gotta tell you straight up. Like, we got the you did the show part. And then, like, hey, man, these the bloopers. So back in, the I bloopers, love the bloopers, I'm man. Straight up, how in the hell I'm gonna go on these people's job and work forty hours a day for forty years to retire on forty percent of the pay? Yeah. What? The they had me down them halls, man, working every damn day, and I couldn't even think about no shit. Mm-hmm. And then once I learned all this shit, I can't go back into the people's jobs, man. Yeah, once you get there's a saying that um, once you get a taste of freedom, you never go back. Once you taste it, w- once you taste that, yeah, you never go back. And I'm just like, dude. Hey man, I'm gonna I'm let you see. I'm gonna see if you can hear this. I don't know if you can. I think I can play it, and it might come through. I'll let you know if I hear it. All right, let me see. I got I got this up. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm just play this, man. It's just I just be messing around sometimes. 
Oh man, I dude, I'm all about messing around, man. Trust me. Like the whole if you I think it's the second or the third one. That whole podcast was me just shit talking for like two hours. It was like Dang, it was all shit that'll cancel me in the future. If if it ever blows up like crazy. I'm like, hey, fuck it. Peace. Hey. I'm already saying goodbye. I don't give a dude, shit. Actually, you want some of that. I should say some more crazy shit like David Chappelle, them jokes is dry. <laughs> hey, that's why that's why I'm gonna have you on next time. <laughs> we can go crazy. Put that shit out there, dude, cause then James Chappelle I ain't nothing. I ain't nobody, dude. And then James Chappelle, like some dude on some podcast, they said that I was dry. Let me tell you something, <laughs> you old bitch. Yes, Dave Chappelle. I'm a little bitch. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's fucking great. Dude, man, please. Let me see if I can play this real quick for you. Um, see if you can hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah. Hey man, I I am always shooting random shit. I'm like, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm like, I'm gonna give it a go. If it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, doesn't hit. That's usually how I just I just shoot your shot. I guess you know. I do that all the I'm, time. I'm just showing you, I'm dude. I'm on Clubhouse. <laughs> yes, sir. Running my mouth. I'm back here making rap songs. I'm doing podcasts. I'm doing, I got light rings. I got a green screen. Bruh, bruh. Let me oh, shit. I'm doing, man, I'm doing, I'm serious. Let me see, let me pull this thing up so you can see what I'm talking about. I'm talking to somebody, and they're like, Lonnie, we don't really understand what you mean about the um, the monkey brain and all that. Let me see if I got it on here. I had it, I had, there we go. We don't even understand these people that you're talking about. Can you help us out a little bit here? Yeah, I'll help your ass out right there. <laughs> Let me tell you right here. So you can see as we uh, begin to talk about the reptilian brain mm-hmm. right here. <laughs> and we talk about the rat brain, the monkey brain. Dude, this. Man, I use this. Green. I have a green screen and I am not. Yes, you have to understand that when we began to talk about Schindler and Maslow, uh, <laughs> I'm just sending this to my girl real quick. <laughs> I was like, because we're going down a down a rabbit hole that I'm like, I'm enjoying real quick. <laughs> that shit, boy, that's a man. That's me. This is just, this is fun, right? So this is I'm great. Here, this is me going into the liquid. Yeah. This is 
contraption that I use when I go into liquid right here. Uh-huh. Um, and start talking about your past. I use this setup, which is basically a bunker. Mm-hmm. When I start talking oh, about going into, like, dealing with your now in the rig and the importance of that, I take you to here. This is the rig. Oh, shit. You know, this is where we are in the rig. And sometimes, let me see if I got one. Yeah, in the rig, we actually, sometimes. That's the rig. Rigged, we going to Mars. Bro, we actually, that's a movement, bro. That's the move. When you're in the rig, sometimes you're on your way somewhere. And ultimately, um, when you start thinking about the future and future concepts, uh, I bring you here. And so we kind of sit in uh, a virtual reality. That's sick. That's sick, actually. Ah, And when I just want to be home and do podcasts and stuff with my friends and just be throwing out jokes and stuff so that I can help Dave Chappelle understand (laughs) Them jokes drop, bitch. Not for real. Not for real, Dave. <laughs> yeah, we, we we're on the improv set right there, man. That's awesome. That looks literally like like uh the Brea improv actually like right by I think it's Brea. Yeah, looks literally like it. Just missing like the the fucking show lights and the the stupid little sign that, that or whatever. Show lights. Let me see. I don't know. I, don't, I moved something around. Okay, got a little patch of green. Hey, right, right. Anyway, <laughs> this this me, bro. This Lonnie. You know what I'm saying? For yeah. Real, live, raw. Um, my concepts, me kind of living off of that diagram that I showed you, mm-hmm. working toward a better life for me and my family, for those that I love, working to decrease suffering, uh, pain, struggle. I, that's, that's just the real me. So when I come home and somebody talking about some damn burger, right, about a cow mm-hmm. and a dog, when people have been treated worse than these animals, I'm going to call your ass out. I'm going to call your ass out. <laughs> if you come on there with some racist bullshit like that dude did, then they're like, Lonnie, calm down. And one dude up in the corner talking about this Taylor. Lonnie, this Taylor, I didn't hear that. You can't hear it, you privileged motherfucker. Yeah. You couldn't hear it. That's why, meet me in the DMs. Meet me in the DMs, Taylor. <laughs> Tell Keith to shut his ass up. <laughs> Who y'all think y'all playing with? And this little funky show is just one spot on Clubhouse. One spot. Come on, man. Don't don't start getting crazy and just saying we want to open this up to be so inclusive that we're gonna let other people come in and disrespect who's already been here. Mm-hmm. I'm not cool with that. I don't need to come back. You have to make a choice, though, on the other hand. Because <laughs> I'm building my shit. I'll build it over there, or I can build with you. However, we don't need to let the laws and the rules down so far in the place that you just let people do and say whatever they want to. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All I know, man. all I know is I love the uncensored Lonnie over here. I don't want none of that that PC <laughs> shit, man. I, I again no. Look, at the end of the day, I I do I I I take all the wisdom and everything that you shared. Like that's never gonna leave me, and that's that's important. And I and I and I like people seeing 
both sides of people. That's again, that's the reason why I named it socially irresponsible. Like you get shit yeah. done, but when you're joking around, you're being yourself. You're not a fucking corporate robot. That's one of the things I hate about. That's one of the things I've never wanted to be as a kid. I don't want to be a corporate robot. I want to be. I'll get my shit done. Don't fucking judge me off who I'm being when I'm relaxing on my own time, you know? And that's the thing that a lot of people judge other people off because they're insecure of their own self. So they end up killing right, they end bro. up killing their like, own I joy. Can this, right? uh-huh. Then I can have a job. Yes, sir. And then if they're like, Arnie said this or he said that, so you know, we're gonna have to part ways. Uh-huh. Bitch, I didn't wanna work this forty hour anyway. Yeah. I'll let them slave so away. I'm home and I'm still going to be making my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my side hustle. Because I don't have time to deal with y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're living life on your own terms and they're living life on other people's terms. Think about that, man. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. How long am I supposed to? So I go to school to get artificial grades by Mrs. Brinkley. That don't even know me, don't even know my situation. All she's concerned about is where I rate on Bloom's taxonomy, not even understanding where I am on my Maslow's. Mm-hmm. And she never even got the point that based on Erickson, my mom triggered some things on trust versus mistrust. I'm hungry. I'm here. None of my emotional needs are getting met. Then you're going to tell me you're going to give me these artificial grades by me living up to your expectation? Now, suddenly I go from first grade, boop, I'm in the 12th grade. I graduate with no idea of where I'm going or what I'm supposed to do or who I'm doing it with. They send me in the Army. They put a, a men in black thing in front of me, make me forget everything that I ever knew, do all kinds of crazy stuff to me, put me under the worst stress possible, tell me that I'm a military medic, and when somebody yell out, medic, I run to where the last bullet just shot somebody in the head. I did that shit. I did all of them shit. First responder, first response, crazy response, first response. I was a crazy ass man. Medic, I'm running toward that shit. Then came out of that shit, going to nursing, in nursing home, watching the like the last days of life for everybody. Ooh, boy, talking about a life. Now I'm stuck over here, have contributed over 27 years in the nursing and, and ministry and all of this stuff, and I go on a job, and they're going to tell me what to do like I'm a little kid? Mm-mm. How am I supposed to live with that, bro? How, how am I going to continue to live with that? And then, now that I've made these decisions in other parts of my life, I'm going to show up in a damn room on an app, on a phone, mm-hmm. where I was in here last night like this? Yeah. And you just get to come in and say any old thing, Nalani? Fuck you. <laughs> sideways with a donkey dick and a bad that, that is exactly how I wanted to end this podcast. I oh, fucking that love happened. that. <laughs> DJ he came it. back, man. He came back. Yeah, man, that looked like I thought it was vodka, but not as roofy as vodka over here, apparently. Shit. Thank you, man. I had I had tons of fun, boy. I hope so. I hope so, man. I I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Shit, boy. (laughs) 
Hey, thank you so much, man. Hey, if people want to follow you on Clubhouse and uh, and Instagram, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Clubhouse. Um, I'm on on, Lonnie, uh, on uh, Instagram. I'm Lonnie Holly Three. On Facebook, I run uh, 20, 20 pages and twenty groups, dude. You run twenty I got, groups, I, dude. I have Holy shit. forty assets that I run on Facebook. I have uh, most of your social media stuff. If you go out to something like social media jukebox, if you go out to social media uh, gratitude journal, if you go out to social media influencers on Facebook, those are all me, baby. That's what's all up. Me. I got 360 success uh, page. I got a success 360, success 365. Bro, and I'm, I'm creating content all the time. Constantly designing, creating content. I have... Um, Crushing the game, where we throw some little hip hop stuff. Yeah. In. I... <laughs> dude, I'm no, I, hey man, I'm just I'm the king has spoken. Out. The king has spoken. Oh my god. Yeah, man, take messy action. From a medic. From from a medic, run into the chaos. Run into the chaos. Don't start. Until it's hey, late. Bro, just, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. How many times on any of those old-ass war movies, them dusty-ass war movies, do they be getting blowed up like, boom, and then you hear somebody yell out, cook? I should turn off. No, man, I ain't never heard nobody yell out, cook. Oh, yeah, yeah. nobody yell out, laundry guy. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never heard nobody yell out, guy who pass out, boom. <laughs> <laughs> they be yelling for my crazy ass. Medic! And I'm coming. Oh, I'm coming. And I'm telling you, you don't want to be anywhere near the last scene of action. Because mm -hmm. when I show up, and this is how I've always been, bro, when I show up, I'm bringing hell with me. That's how it should be. I'm like, bring hell with you. And I'm going to take those words. I'm going to take that shit with me, too. Fuck. They gonna learn today. <laughs> yeah, you think you just gonna have a podcast? No, you don't even understand. I'm gonna bring a dude that's socially irresponsible, and he gonna ask your ass some questions, and you gonna be sitting there like, "No, come on, Big Daddy, you ready for it? Give it to me." <laughs> You're, I uh, do. You're, you're amazing, man. I think the only thing I want to end this with is, uh, is a thank you. Uh, I think you deserve all the success you have right now, and everything that's coming your way, you deserve and have premarital sex, guys. <laughs> that boy said have premarital sex. Yeah. I just want to say, uh, don't wait. CIA and Interpol, these are just jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are all jokes, but have premarital, pre premarital sex. All right, see you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Lonnie. Duck rape. Duck rape. <laughs> All right, man. See you later.